Hello everybody, it's your old friends at Money Madness and welcome to another episode of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. <laughs> uh, John, Jonathan here, joined as ever by my two colleagues, Neil and Burkbot, to review everything that's been happening in the world of football. Uh, fair to say, lads, it's been a fairly quiet one, nothing much has happened, it's actually been fairly routine. Oh yeah, absolutely, nothing to see here, move along, um, we're just, this is just cursory, we're, we're not going to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, you know, a cat got sick, but uh, that's it. And someone shot yeah. a duck. That's it. I, I heard about that now. That was, that was, that was unfortunate, yeah. <laughs> I think no. was on the way. I think that's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen. Of course, we're being facetious. It's been fucking mental. It has been very mental. Um, since the last time we left, left you, there's been like three match days, which we're not going to review as a, like one by one because we're not here for three hours straight. But we, what we are like going to do... pointless. It is actually pointless. <laughs> I'm like, we go, Burkball, what do you think of West Ham versus Crystal Palace that happened two weeks ago? I value your thoughts on this. Um, I can't remember which one is which. Thank you, Burkball. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Jeez, her her um her sport her, her club blindness is spreading to uh to teams outside of W. This is pretty nice. concerning, pretty bad. But um, the yeah, we do have, spread. We, we do have a, quite a lot to talk about. In fairness, um, so we're gonna jump right in and, and tell you how the league table looks as it stands after uh, what is meant to be match day twenty two, but you know the plague says otherwise. So we'll start off at the bottom, lads. The same three teams that were there since the last time we spoke to you: um, Sheffield United, West Brom, and Fulham. But Sheffield, to their credit, have won two games since the last time we spoke to us. And one of them was against Man United, which was, I think, uh, empirically decided to be hilarious. Um, I don't know if he's read that report or not, but it's, it's actually the funniest thing that's happened all season. Um, it was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. You, you actually love like, to see it. We, we have said that, um, like, obviously, we were surprised by how bad that they were doing in the table. And, you know, the fact that they hadn't managed managed to get a win and their form was just like shocking but we mm. did say in previous podcasts that their play didn't necessarily deserve the low tally of points mm. like we were annoyed that they weren't derby-esque in terms yeah. of not even bothering to show up they were trying and it's just kind of come good for them in these last few matches but like um yeah just what a time for it to, to turn around their look and um I do hope that they can pull themselves out of the... Like, there's no point going for the lowest tally points anymore. So they may as well try and survive at this point. So, and judging by how shit-stormy the other clubs around them have been, they Mm. actually might have a chance of that. This is the thing now, because, again, I'm looking at at the table at the moment. So you're looking at Sheffield on 11, West Brom 12, and Fulham 14. Even then, the team above them is Burnley on 22. So those three teams look fairly well adrift. And like Burnley, again, not necessarily like in Upshits Creek or anything like that. They have actually recorded some wins, but like that's that's it needs like a, a calamity to happen on one of those teams to for it to for it to really go down south and for a team like Fulham to get out of safety. Then, you yeah, know, and Burnley and Burnley have a game in hand over them as well. This is true. So. Yeah, um, uh, actually, communion love against Fulham, funny enough. Um, so. Uh, can we count as a relegation eight pointer? I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, like so, like it's yeah, it, it seems fairly um obvious now that they they those are the three teams that do go down unless something calamitous happens. But um, 
it's a kind of a pity as well because like I said, we, we do like Sheffield and like Fulham have been like a, a, a team of triers, but at the same time they just haven't been able to win games is the thing. You know, they they try their best, but it's just the, the quality hasn't been there. Um and as for West Brom, uh there's one pretty obvious reason why they're getting relegated. Uh fifty two goals conceded this season. <laughs> they have like by far the worst <laughs> of the league, and it's not even by Yeah, uh, a goal difference of minus thirty four. Yes. But, 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 <laughs> they have Big Sam. Big Fat Sam. Well, since Big Fat Sam has come in, they've considered more goals. I know. <laughs> it's <just> crazy. <laughs> I said, yeah, you, you look really fucking smart sacking village now, don't you, it's fucking dickheads. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I suppose from the teams that are like currently safe in giant quotation marks, Burnley 22, Newcastle 22, um, is it time to have the same tired conversation about Newcastle about if they had any form of like effort put into the team, they wouldn't be sitting 16th in the league or will we leave that until like next season when it happens again? I just don't know. Like what the fuck is up with them? <laughs> I, I can hazard a guess. Are, Starts with Steve and ends with Bruce. They are a yeah. team that I don't understand. Like, they have like this, oh, like the things like Almiron. Like, he's a very creative player. He's very inconsistent, whatever, but like he's the type of player that you could see at a decent, like, top table team mm. that, like, he could, like, you could see him at Everton. I was thinking Leeds. He strikes me as a real Bielsa player, where he just, like, he just gets the ball and starts running. And, like, Bielsa will yeah. tell him where to run. But, like, but then they have, like, these just, the ball players who you know don't know how to play football it's like trying to mesh those two things together is just oh they're just bizarre I've watched a few of their matches um like over the like more than I would normally have watched Mm. and I'm kind of going going okay so this is what they're going to do and then they don't do that and then you see their team sheet put out and you're just like okay so they're going to go with this formation again like who was it they were playing um one of the matches I watched, it was, uh, I think it was the Leeds game. And I was like, right, well, you know what you're up against with the Elsa. So, you know, you want to put out people who are going to run and people who are yeah. going to actually get in behind. And it's like, Andy Carroll. I'm like, well, <laughs> I thought you wanted to win this match. I don't know. I, I like, they just, Steve Bruce, um, I, I don't rate as a manager. And mm. um, tactics-wise, I feel like, he doesn't know them, so uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't particularly like watching Newcastle because I just never know what to expect, and it's always wrong. I'm always wrong. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Like the players, ha- he he had a kind of argument with the players because he publicly threw them all under the bus, saying that they kept demanding to play three at the back, um, because that's the formation they played under Rafa, and the reason why they played that is because their center, none of their center backs have any kind of pace whatsoever yeah. and their centre midfield is fucking non-existent so they were like three at the back help us you know solve that mm. uh, and then he's like no Steve was like no we're going with four four at the back <laughs> and they're like this isn't happening like you're not gonna <laughs> this isn't gonna fucking work and then they get yeah. drubbed they were the first team to lose to Sheffield um you know, and then he just went, yeah, no, we're sticking with four at the back. That's it. Although, in all fairness, funnily enough, that you mentioned Almiron going to looking uh, looking good at a team like Everton because their last win, the 
only win in the last five games was against was I mean, 2-0 well, against Everton he's as inconsistent as Everton are I suppose <laughs> like, that's maybe why I made that connection but yeah you're fighting fire with fire like that's the thing but the yeah. great thing is I, I'm, I remember watching bits of that match and like Newcastle were actually quite good going forwards and the reason they're saying that's because uh, at least I've heard in Newcastle like circles they have a new assistant manager um, and I think it's either Graham Jones or Nathan Jones it's one of those ones because they're brothers and that could, one, whoever it is anyway was the former Luton Town boss when they got promoted and they were known for their attacking player so now he's uh, Steve Bruce's um, new coach and apparently like Bruce is uh, very hands off on the training ground he's just like he's actual like team manager as opposed to a coach so apparently this guy has been like trying to teach them certain things I mean I, I don't Graham, I, again, I don't Graham know. Jones Graham Jones thanks Neil sorry I know Nathan was the Stoke manager that's why I was getting confused but um but yeah, and it's it, the, the curious thing is that it maybe if you're a Newcastle fan, you may have noticed the change, but do you really have the personnel to start going forward? Like when you're sitting that far down the league, you know? Um, I don't know. It's it, it, it seems like the wrong choice in that time, but maybe maybe it isn't. Uh, it's if not if any Jordy's watching, Jerry, give us a shout, man. Talk to us, man. Yeah, they now yeah they now have Willock. Yeah. Yes, that's interesting because he will might be, talking- be a good link-up player. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking that because we are going to discuss the transfer window. Uh, at least are more like yep. impressive, impressed moves. And he, he might he might start against a team that got absolutely drilled nine nil for the second season running. We will get to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so currently in fifteenth is Brighton. They're on the best run of the season. Uh, three wins out of four uh, at the present, and two of them including one uh, nil wins against Spurs and Liverpool. So yeah. yeah, they're doing really good. And to be fair, like. The, they're a good side. They just don't score. Funnily enough, funny, what's hilarious about that was that the three wins out of four, the one that they didn't win, they drew, and it was nil all against Fulham. Yes. <laughs> this like, ridiculous the season has been, though. It has been so hard to call. Oh, absolutely. So they, they beat Leeds 1-0, drew nil all against Fulham, and then beat Spurs and Liverpool 1-0 each in the next two. And you're like, what the fu- fuck off? You're, you're having a laugh. I think I, I like to think it's a symptom of how short a season is because I've noticed that like teams that are like clearly like uh, weak against others will then almost certainly lose to them. So for some reason, like when you think like Leeds will go up against a shit house team like say Burnley and think oh Bielsa will just play all around them, but it actually doesn't work out that way. They get out muscled and Burnley win. But like if they had like those three two or three days, they'd find a way around that and like beat them three nil. And I've noticed this with Liverpool a lot more because. Like we're coming, we're we're coming stuck against these teams who like will play back eights essentially, and we have we have all the ball, and don't know what to do with it, which is not our style. You know, it, it's always been a case of like um, just, <laughs> if having the ball isn't your style, then players like Wijnaldum and Thiago are the wrong kind of players to fucking get. Like I, Thiago, I, will, I, I will talk about this later Thiago on. Thiago is a footballing black hole. Like he always yeah. has the ball. I know this is this this is a this is a prelude to my hot take later on. When All right. Um, but yes, uh, speaking of actually, Wolves only 14th at the moment because they're on a bit of a rotten form. But again, they 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 did actually break the duck against Arsenal. But the least said about that match, the better, to be honest. Um, ah, well, you know, you know, Arsenal always here to help a team out of a fucking bind. Yes, yes, exactly. But it's not themselves. <laughs> Maybe one day, Neil. One day. Oh, um, for fuck's sake. Uh, uh, Palace are in 13th at the moment two wins on the bounce for them good for them uh, Southampton four losses on the bounce because just when they're looking at getting into Europe 
they decided to be Southampton. So fair play, lads. Um, but uh, what losses? I, I tell you, <laughs> spectacular, man. Like they were like they just got crushed. I believe the the worst side of the worst the worst best loss in that run of form was one 0 to Villa. Yeah, they lost one 0 to fucking Villa, but then. Oh, man, they got crushed. Ah, those poor fuckers. Oh, and just before this... Yeah, just, well, not really, because just before this (laughs) run of four losses, their last win was 1-0 against Liverpool. (laughs) (laughs) We're cursing them, is what we're trying to say. They beat Liverpool Liverpool 1-0, and then they go and just get absolutely fucking... Routes they ship like what one, two, three, four, that's five, six. They ship 15 goals in the last four games. That, that's what we're doing. If you if you win against us, you're a curse for the rest of the season, for the rest of the month. It's apparently our goal. It's great, it's a lovely yin and yang because see, you give people curses and we break them. Because they then know. when they're cursed, they can't win fucking anything. They can't kick a ball for toffee. Mm. They come up against Arsenal and then lo and behold. It's like, a, it's like a fucking food chain. I love it. It's great. The circle of shite. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a t- there's the uh, ep- title for this episode. Thanks, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the Sayota song. Um, but the air David Luiz is sent off again. <laughs> I just want to jump in and like I don't think they would have lost nine 0 if Schlang had been playing. Yes, that was our first mistake because it was letting him go. Um, otherwise, yeah. Shane Long is a poor, is an unlucky bastard. Like he he, he signs on loan to Bournemouth, and then literally like an hour later, they sacked the manager. Yeah. <laughs> he's an unlucky bastard because he's a striker who can't score goals. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's decided. Yeah, up front, that's my position. Yeah, get that. Yeah. Oh, hang on, wait a minute. This whole scoring thing, I'm not that good at. Like Aaron Connolly as well is kind of in that schlong kind of uh, mold of being yeah. small, runs around a lot, stocky guy, doesn't score goals, is a striker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Calling him a striker is very generous. Let's just call him a forward because that's where he's going. He's, he's moving in that direction. He's trying. He's, he floats around, you know. And... Um, but yes, uh, Southampton currently sit in 12th and they are on the same points as Palace and Leeds who are somewhat resurgent with uh, two wins and three um, because this, this is what Leeds do apparently. So let's move on to the top 10 lads. Arsenal uh, do sit in the top 10 uh, despite a little bit of a, a break in form with the uh, loss to Wolves. Uh, but still, it's green shoots, I guess, considering where you were before Christmas, you know? Mm-hmm. Improvements yeah, really. No, I- I, I'm going to just probably just jump on here before Neil jumps in. But um, I've actually been really enjoying watching Arsenal play um, the last few games. Obviously, the November-December run had us feeling a bit miserable. And it was just because we couldn't see the correlation between... Like, there was pockets of play in matches, but there was never an overall, like, oh, it was a good match. Mm. Yeah. But recently, since I did, like since December, that kind of Christmassy run, we've played well and we've done well and we've gotten results out of it. And it's not necessarily been like um, that we've wiped floor with teams, but we've been a lot more competitive with them than we would have been maybe you know a couple of weeks prior. And it's like mm. 
You can see the teams well coached and well drilled in certain areas. You can see that there's a bit of uh, consistency in the run of play. You get Pepe getting a few games under his belt, a couple of 90 minutes, and that has done his confidence the world of good. He's Position been- shift as well for him. He's been mm-hmm. now being fielded on the left and he seems reborn there. Yeah, yeah. Like, Well, I think it's more that he's bamboozling defenders. I think they'd kind of figured out on the right if we just double bank him then yeah. you know, you know, he'll overthink it too much and lose the ball. Whereas on the left-hand side, I don't think even he knows what he's doing. <laughs> don't know which way he's going to go. So like, how are the defenders going to match that? But um, no, I think um, we, we've just been really good. Like, And I know a lot of people are going to jump on the whole Thomas Party kind of thing, but I do think there is a huge, huge point where him and Smith Rowe coming into the side, into midfield, have kind of just joined and connect those dots. We had a cohesive defensive unit at the start of the season. We just weren't firing at the top because the ball was just getting lost in translation. Whereas now we've got those two players and like in the last few matches, they've been working together and um, because they've both played in those few matches or they've either got see those cohesive units in the midfield work. And it's been really, really positive Mm. Has been. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, we're going to probably talk about the Wolves game. Um, but I just want to say that like, uh, it has been a, a long time that I have been pissed off at a game of football to the extent that I was in that Wolves game because it's been a long time that Arsenal haven't won when we deserve to win. Mm. Like there's been a lot eat over the last years, and I've accepted them because they have been absolute atrocious performances. The players have looked shit. There's been no cohesiveness to the team. The team looked like they hadn't a clue who they were passing to, let alone what they were meant to be doing. It was just shocking. And like I could kind of accept a loss at that point because like, oh well, we're shit anyway, it's fine. Whereas to play football that we played against Wolves in that first 45 minutes oh. to be reduced to what we ended up... And I still think... And I, I don't know if this would be a like, controversial take on it. I still think we played really well with 10 players. I think it was only when we went down to nine that we actually weren't a threat anymore. Yeah, uh, I mean, like to, to go down to nine men and even then... We only lost to a thirty-yard screamer. That... The guy who hasn't scored in like over a year. So yeah. it's like you understand that the players weren't like closing him down. It's like players not closing down Jacket because he's lining up for a shot. It's like yeah, well, it's Jacket. It's gonna go rose dead. It's a fluke accident, but like not to take away. It was a great strike from the player. And oh, I absolutely be... like twenty players on the pitch and two goalkeepers in, and you weren't stopping that. Like he just yeah. fucking hit that. Well, I, I actually was sickened so much that on Wednesday I was teaching online and I know one of the students is an Arsenal fan and he literally just goes, I didn't even expect you to be online this morning. I'm surprised I'm online this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it was sickening. And he was like, we were doing so well. And then the rest of the people were like, are we, are we going to learn today? And I'm like, no, 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 we're going to walk in the loss that was caused by Craig Pawson and VAR. Um, but yeah, this close-up no, of William Jose's feet for 40 minutes. Look what he's doing. He's dragging his other foot. This is wrong. 
like yeah we were do, yeah we we're doing observation and detection and inference and stuff so like i could actually use that clip in an educational format damn it yeah. that will have to be tweets lesson plans anyway absolutely but, uh, yeah we can infer from this clip that craig parson is a fucking prick <laughs> but uh this yeah, is a, <laughs> it's been a long time and you probably know from my reactions watching this like Mm. It's a long time since I felt this way about match where I felt cheated. It's like where it's like, no, 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 we needed those three points. I wanted those three points. The amount yeah. of matches that we've lost, we've been knocked out of the FA Cup. That was sickening. But, you know, the Europa League final against Chelsea. We played shit, but like I was annoyed at the performance. This was like I was annoyed at the circumstance. I was annoyed mm. for the team rather than being annoyed at the team. And that is a new and Slightly more refreshing way to be. <laughs> I, was to, I was about to say, I was about to chime in. It's like, I was sickened by this result, but only because, like, this is the first time I've actually been really, really invested in what we've been doing because I was so into what we've been doing. And, yeah. like, we should have won the nil all. Well, not should have won, but we had a good chance to win that nil all against Manchester United. Um, I suppose a draw maybe is a fair result considering we'd no we'd no first choice anybody on our left flank. Like our entire yeah. left flank is out. We'd no Tierney, we'd no Saka, we'd no Aubameyang. It's like that's our entire left side. It's like fuck. And don't get me wrong, everybody who stepped up, everybody who stepped in stepped up. Mm. Um, but I will say one thing about that Manchester United game: a full strength Arsenal team wins that. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. I mean, for what it's worth, like, by the way, this that might have kind of sounded like, you know, always like uh, kind of Arsenal fans moaning about VAR. No, no, I was watching this as well. That was bollocks. Yeah. The, the Louis red card. Leno, not so much. Like, he, that was a slam dunk. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no defending Leno there. No there's no defending yeah. that there. He's just like, I'm like, I don't understand how you misjudge the bounce of a ball so fucking horribly. But then again, like, yeah. when you consider that, like, I can count on one hand since he joined Arsenal the amount of mistakes Leno's made. You know, yeah. for with Louise to rack up the amount of mistakes he's made since <laughs> he's joined, I'd need to take off my shoes and socks. You know, like... But here's the thing, though. Like, I don't think Louise was necessarily in the wrong with that. I do think it was he was, like, trying to get on the opposite side. I would agree with you there because I watched that in real time and I was like, oh, here we fucking go, Louise, the prick. And I think that's what the referee was thinking as well. It's like, oh, here's Louise. I think it was a typical thing. Now, the only thing is, is like, if the referee had gone to look at the TV, if VAR had said that clear and obvious error by the ref and he had gone to the TV screen to kind of double deck, I, yeah, I, I don't like the fact that it didn't use the pitch side monitor. That's mm. that's my main consider. I was like, the whole purpose of those pitch side monitors is to stop referee. Like, especially, you should always do it, especially in a double jeopardy situation. Yeah, like, definitely. if you're like, well, if I give this, I'm going to have to send the guy off and give a penalty. I might want to, I'll, I'll double check it just as a point of principle to make sure. Um, but they have done that. They, think, did that like, they did that the next day with the Southampton game. Because the Sahan yeah. game had the exact same scenario with Bednarek and Martial. And here's the thing. The VAR official in your game was my dean. And the on-field referee for the Southampton United game was Mike Dean. So like he made the call on both counts and used t- the, the, the fucking touchline monitor for the Southampton game and didn't advise Pawson to use it there. 
So even one referee is completely inconsistent in how that rule is made. You know what I mean? In the actual application. I I didn't realise it was Mike Dean who was the VAR in the... I'm pretty sure it is now. I could be wrong, but I'm almost certain it is. Every, that makes every ounce of sense. Yeah, um, I re- I reckon the reason why Louise's red card wasn't overturned is because they saw him running there is across the back. There. Yeah, he you know, he's running across the back of William Jose. Now the thing is, is that he's running from Jose's right to his left. But the problem yeah. is holdings on his left. So I gather they've looked at that and gone, he's not actually trying to get around the guy there. Mm. And he's accidentally clipped him. He's actually, yeah. he's deliberately, he's just ran across the back of the man. I also think another thing about Benderek's red card being overturned as well is that Marshall, to his credit, was actually turning around to the ref and saying to the ref, it wasn't a foul. Yeah. yeah. Um, although in all fairness, it's easy enough to say that when the team you're up against is down to 10 men already and you're six nil up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I reckon if Manu had been 2-1 down in that game, I don't think he would have been as courteous. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, yeah, I just, I just, I looked at Louise and I was just like, you fucking clown. Like, why even put yourself in that position? Like, mm. but it, it, it's a bad, it's a- but that, that, him getting into that position, I don't necessarily, for once, I actually can't say, uh, look what he's done. He's handed those points away from us like he has so many times before um, mm. I actually Leno made two mistakes in that match the, obviously the red, the handball um, <laughs> ridiculous handball um, I actually, I, I'm actually like you know if you're going to get yourself a red card that's how you do it just it's something fine. ridiculous like that mm. um, I believe when I, when I first when I first went back and saw it I was laughing like my, my first thing was not anchor. It was <laughs> okay. This is what we're we're doing this now. Okay, um, you know. But his first mistake actually led to the goal in the first half. So mm. it was like obviously the end of the half. He presumed, I'm fairly sure, that as soon as he kicked, yeah, that he ball, kicked that ball, yeah, because he, he punted out at forty six fifty five. Mm. and it was two minutes added. So he's like, "This is gonna take well long than five seconds to hit the ground." Fuck it, and he just creams the ball up. Yeah, um, but like the, the he kicked it, like the players all were like, right, well, he's just going to take his time taking this kick. And they're all sauntering. None of them were turned around and focused. I don't think he gave a shout as far as I know, as in like, yeah. oh, Pepe or Partey, I'm going to hit you. Know, there was no kind of call. Like he just kicked it and no one was ready. And that kind of set this whole thing on the, we were all on the back foot at that stage. And we mm-hmm. were like, go, go, go. They're not switched on. Go, go, go. And that's not good that players aren't switched on. Like with a couple yeah. of seconds in the match as well, but yeah, um, frustrating match. Um, but I even at ten men, we were very competitive. Um, mm. like Smith Rowe and Saka were just combining so well. Uh, Pepe was they, they couldn't control Pepe, and the, and we because we switched to being on the the break as well as our tactic in the second half. He did really well. Um, we just couldn't capitalize on it, and yeah. So yeah, that that's fair enough. Because um, yeah, like it, it, there there is a sense of injustice to the result, considering that like you still are in a decent run of form. I don't know how the Leno being dismissed now is going to affect you for the next match. Well, weekend. Ryan Ryan is back in for selection. He's okay that's, back that's in full train. Actually, because I was looking up the team news there, um, Tierney's still out. That's really starting to worry me. Mm. Um, but everybody else is back in uh, back in for selection. 
Uh, okay. Well, obviously, but Leno's obviously suspended. Luis is suspended. Pablo Marie uh, is um, has been fully training and is available for selection. Ryan's recovered from his hip injury, and obviously Katz is still recovering from his ACL. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Tierney's still. It's just they just keep saying discomfort in the lower right leg, and I really worried about that. That's odds. Yeah. Yeah. It's an odd one. It's, it's like when the Arsenal ladies just don't give you an actual update and you're just like, oh, they've broken a muscle or they've broken, they've broken a bone. They're out for six months. Nail. Um, now, in all fairness, if anybody was to break a muscle, it would be one of the Arsenal women from just being like relentlessly overplayed in every position. Vivian has, has, has yeah, came a game, yeah. I'm gonna see her hamstring fly off her leg at some point. <laughs> Literally, like, uh, just side through the crowd, like you know, in uh, in pirate movies where they put the two balls connected by the chain and fire it yeah. at another <laughs> ship. That's what it's gonna be like. It's just gonna fly into the crowd, go rob people at fifty balls an hour. But it's it's, it's the muscular <laughs> shrapnel as well, so it's gonna take out three other Arsenal players in the process. Oh, so, like, absolutely, yeah. You know, that's, how, that's how you do it. Although, thankfully, the pitch will have so many divots, nobody will notice. This is, this is the hope, anyway. Um, so let's move on, then. Uh, so, yes, Aston Villa, you mentioned them just there. Your next uh, opponent, and they start currently sit nights with two games in hand. To be fair to Villa, like, they two, if they win those two games in hand, they will like, be knocking and they'll be in fifth place. But, but, that's still a, but I, I will say, though, that if blocks out the sun, it is that fucking large. Yes, like, it is. Their form it, has been all, like, in an inconsistent season, they have marked themselves out as an inconsistent fucking team. Very <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. They've been, they've, like, beaten Newcastle, they've beaten Southampton, but then they've lost, yeah, they've bought, they've lost to Burnley, they've lost to, yeah. the, well, they lost to Man City, but then who hasn't actually? Um, but yeah, and they lost to West Ham last, like their most recent result is them getting absolutely tonked by West Ham, three yeah. one. So uh, fuck knows what Villa's going to show up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's going to be result. top top dollar Aston Villa. Oh, yeah. Any Martinez is going to be on flying form just to shove it in Alex Runerson's face. Um, <laughs> Leno, Leno's face. It's more often because Leno is getting absolutely pilloried now. I swear to you, to share, like having not been mentioned really, except for the fact that he's basically been Arsenal's best player for mm. seasons after season. The amount of articles I've read now about fucking, would Martinez have saved that? Or the whole Emmy Martinez Leno thing, should we have sold Leno thing? It's yeah. just been absolute fucking garbage. Like it's been absolute pure tripe. I mean, like Martinez is a great keeper. Don't get me wrong, but definitely, like we we had this conversation at the time in the summer. Yeah. Like, who would we keep? Who would we sell? And Martinez is the kind of club hero. He's been at the club for years or whatever. I'm just glad he's doing well where he is because it showed yeah. that we we were right in keeping him as our understudy. I suppose, like if you think of it that way. Um, but like I absolutely have no issues. But I will have an issue tomorrow when he pulls off save after save after save. Um, yeah, when he does a da- uh, David De Gea fucking Dr. Octopus impression. You know, De Gea always used to see the sprout like nine extra arms whenever Arsenal were in town. They were like, you fucking cunt. <laughs> every, sing- every single Never save. Every single save record that's ever been set has been set against us. So like, you fucking arsehole. <laughs> 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 he, did, he has done that he's both 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 of his save records in a game are both against us in fact he yeah. actually broke one with the other yeah I remember that yeah 
I remember that as well, just sitting there laughing. I was just like, <laughs> can we get a, can we actually roll an actual cannon onto the pitch and fire the ball at him? <laughs> probably still save the He'd probably still actually save it. Now, yeah. one of the good things about this season is that he's had a bit of an off one. Yeah. Yeah. Be, yeah, he's having a bit of an off one for the last two years, to be fair. But yeah. Yeah. Just to prove he's human after all. Um, so no, it doesn't prove the fact that he's upset he's not going to Spain. <laughs> that is also yeah. true. That is also true. Uh, maybe next he ain't year. Going to Spain no more. No, no, he's not. No, there's <laughs> Real, no money. Real, yeah, there's no money. There's literally, there's quite literally no cash. We'll get onto that with the yes. cards, but there is literally no money. I said, well, <laughs> hey, there is a move to Spain on if you wanted to Granada. They're yeah. owned by the guys who own Watfords, huh? Uh, well, no, he could probably yeah. go there if he wants to play for free. Like, uh, yeah, fine. <laughs> like okay. Barcelona have offered Eric Garcia. Oh, come to us, yay. Do you I'm not going to pay you get... until next year. <laughs> Do you mind not getting paid? <laughs> Charity? You're, you're a charitable guy, yeah, come on. We'll give you a free shirt and everything. Uh, uh, help, brother. We'll have your name on it and all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then... Um, I suppose that one of the more out-of-form teams in the league uh, is Spurs. Now, I'm not saying saying it's a conspiracy theory, right? But I'm just saying, since Harry Kane got injured, Spurs have been shit. Now, right? I know, right? Mind blown here. Mind fucking blown. That Harry Kane's annual ankle injury coincides with Spurs being shit. No, 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 no. That I would disagree with that. They have always been shit, but he has somehow dragged them through the shit. Okay, I, we'll probably need more data. Yeah, well, be on aware, that. like, yeah. be aware. No, well, when you go back to like, right, they beat Sheffield three one. Right, just yes. this is before they lost you for Thiago. Uh, apparently, the new one, Sebastian Veron, according to Gary Neville, Alcantara did in. Yeah, I, I've no, I'm not even going to try and explain that. I've no Actually, idea no, no, no. I, I will take umbrage with Gary Neville here, the cheating shithead, right? The Shocker. reason Harry King <laughs> got injured was because he was trying to do the jump to midair with Jordan Henderson. And Henderson yes. sw- like switched him and he fell on his ankle. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. He, he, he injured Although his ankle. Although in all fairness, Yamantiago, he loves a tackle. He does love a tackle. Yeah, he loves getting he in there. Tackle Neil. He's had a fucking pass. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. He, he 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 leaves it. He leaves it in. Now don't get me wrong. When he's leaving, when he's leaving it in on a Spurs player, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. to leave all that shit in there and then some. <laughs> uh, but like, sorry, going back to this. Like before they beat Sheffield three one, before this run of three losses, they drew like one all with Fulham. Mm. Kane was playing there. Yeah, yeah. Don was. Yeah, and they were absolute gash. Yeah. <laughs> they were garbage. Like, so I don't... They are a better team with Kane in it, mm. but not by much. But they don't, they don't have... The thing is, they don't have a plan B. In uh, the Chelsea match yesterday with uh, Chelsea and Kane... Or Chelsea and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Kane and Spurs. Um, they had v- Vinicius, Vinicius, um, Vinicius. No, I've, I've heard it's like I've heard people actually pronounce the hard like the C hard, so it's Vinicus, Vinicus or something like. That. I was like, what? I think it's anyway. That lad, they were trying to like, okay, you're Harry Kane for this. He, well, I'm not <laughs> Harry Kane, and they were like, oh no, no, we're just gonna hit the ball to you, and you better do what Harry does. I'm gonna call you Harry for the game. Is that okay, Harry? Yeah. <laughs> 
like, he literally, the ball would just, like, he obviously is not the type of, like, I could be wrong, maybe he is, and they were bought, he was brought in to be a carbon copy of Kane. Because I think if that's the way, if you're a Spurs person, you're going to just want to replicate Kane as mm. your striker because you've no other outlets for goals. Because even Son doesn't work without Kane as well. Um, yeah, he doesn't really work with Kane, without Kane playmaking for him. So yeah, yeah. in that, like with Kane, right, you've no, you've nobody really scoring a lot of goals. But you've also very, for the people who don't score goals, for the people who don't create, you've nobody creating for them either. And you're just like, man, wrapping your chief striker and chief playmaker up with the same guy is not a good fucking idea. I like, you've got Ndombele who is, you know, he blows hot and cold. Um, in terms of being, you know, world class, absolutely amazing, and Dombele to, like, I I was watching it and I was like, I don't see what the like. I know I've seen. Don't really tend to watch Spurs, so I can't say in game in game out that he he's always shit. But I've never seen any sort of consistency. Like I, you see the YouTube highlight reels of what he can do, but like mm. in an actual match situation, those ten seconds that make it onto the YouTube highlight reel, you know, are most usually and not an important part of the match. Like, you know, he gets the ball off at Lloris and does a cool turn. And like, that makes him into YouTube highlight reel. Like, oh, look at this. But there's no one near him. And also there's no one, he's nowhere near goal. It's not like it's been an effective turn. Look, look at him turn on the ball under zero pressure. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it was just like, No pressure pass. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, no, there, uh, I, I was going into this match going, I kind of hope it's a nil-all game. There are teams that are in and around the Arsenal area, you know, mm. nil-all, a couple of injuries, you know, that'd be grand. That'd be really an, accident, an accidental drone strike into the middle of the pitch takes out half the crew, you know? Like. You mean accidental? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, it was, it, it was, um, I laughed when Chelsea scored, like the penalty that Dyer gave away. Oh Holy my. shit. Dyer did not, Dyer really lived up to his name in that match. He was an absolute tripe the whole way through. He was fucking. One of the best blocks of the match. He like makes a beeline across. Bear in mind, there's two defenders already there to block the ball. <laughs> and he runs away from where he had been standing into the path of the ball, only for the ball to bounce up. And like he, he missed it, but it yeah. just bounces awkwardly and hits him in the balls. And then. <laughs> She's laughing at a football in the groin. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the football. Uh, yeah. No, um, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, it was. It. I, I actually, even though I don't want Chelsea to win, I actually I smiled when uh, Jorginho scored that penalty because just Dyer's face, everything about it was just perfect. Mm. Comedy. So Pure yeah. And. So yeah, um, um, like I think, do you do, do you just a quick question to the open group? Do you reckon it's all gone bad now for Spurs? You reckon now we're into? I mean, this has been pointed out a number of times. What can't they call the Mourinho season uh, at Chelsea? Uh, has it has it gone bad? Good question. Look, they, 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 you, you can't predict the season. So as much yeah, as I would say, true, I, yeah. nothing in that team that could provide, you know, any bit of worry for me as a Arsenal fan. 
you just never know what's going to happen the next game. Whoever they're playing the next game could like absolutely get trounced nine nil again, and it's like. Yeah, but their, their match against Brighton was just like... Oh, that was shocking. Oh. Um, look, I would like to say their season is done, but you just don't know. You just don't know. What I would like, say I don't is... Think it'd be them, I don't think it would be them being good. I think it would be everyone else kind of being inconsistent. Mm. That's the thing, like, because I'm, I'm even looking at the league table now and with, like... Perhaps the only outlier there would probably be West Ham. But the re- but here's the thing. West Ham have been really good. They've tapped into something in the squad and they've made it work. That's just, how, that's like, just how fucking nuts this season is. West yeah. Ham, title mm. contenders. <laughs> or at least top four contenders, to be fair. That's kind of scary. But the thing as far as it's like, I, I think this is, this is like eighth place is probably where they're going to achieve this season because just the reality of trying to go far into the because they got the league cup final and they've got they want to try and target the europa league because realistically that's their best chance of champions league football yeah but they're not going to win that league cup final because city actually want to win it oh i know so that city, that's that's city the thing, going full guns they're not going to win shit it's i know it's their mandatory cup of the season boring bastards but the thing is like that's still a game they have to play in like a crunch part of the season because it's in april it's not it's not next month it's back in it's in april beside next yeah. to the league cup final so in that sense, if they're if they're going far into the Europa League final and the crunch time of the Premier League, just the accumulation of games will just not work. And they've already played so many games this season as it is because they had to go through the Europa League qualifiers. So a team that's like not necessarily had the greatest depth in the world and a manager who has a such a allergic reaction to young players um, that even when like Harry Kane who's he's injured, who's injured annually for his ankle and could be out again because it's one of those injuries that can just snap again as we as we've learned with Joel Matip, and um, he recalls Joel Par- uh, Troy Parrot and sends him out alone again. So he objectively doesn't really care about like the reserves or the depth in the squad. He just wants to work with what he has, and if he's happy to drill them into the ground and then alienate everyone else in the process, like go nuts. But like. The wheels will just come off that season even quicker. And in sense, I don't even know, I couldn't even tell you what Spurs' real target is because when I look at the team, like I feel like that's a Europa League team, you know, like even with Bale there and Dominic. Your target is to finish above Arsenal. That is their only ever trophy that they're in. That, but that is it though this season. That's really it. Like Arsenal is their main like their their main rival in this sense, and probably Everton when you look at it. And like they they're kind of in form with them at the moment. They're like only a point and two in the difference at the minute and the game in hand, obviously. But that's all I can see them really achieve. And I think, I think their priority is Europa League, much like probably Arsenal's will be this season. Um, because that's kind of their, their, their ticket out of the, into the Champions League, you know? Um, that's, 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 that's my thoughts on the team anyway. No, absolutely. So definitely not getting in there ahead of West Ham, which is a fucking damning indictment if there ever was one. It's a damning indictment this season. Really, oh. like that's, that's your control. Like if, if West Ham, not, are fit, not just West Ham, but David Moyes, West Ham. Yeah, the thing is, Moiseola works in this season because it's low, it's low energy. It just like it's like it's instinctive. It's just like once you see a spot, run for it. And you know what? It's working. Like it's it, you know, no a, a season, a season where they've sold a striker off for a twenty million pound loss. Yeah, you know. To a team that then forgot to register them for the Europa League. And that was just hilarious. brilliant. That was, it was a shit day for Ajax today, lads. Yeah, Holy Ajax, shit. yeah. <laughs> the record signing and they never signed them up. <laughs> and then their goalkeeper had done for a year for doping. You'd love to see it, lads. Wow. That's, 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 that's football. 
that's football. Um, and what I will say about football, this season has been crazy. But one of the one things that have really made me more comfortable with the season is Everton somehow still being seventh throughout all this. It's actually <laughs> really nice about that. It's just like, oh lads, you know, you're, you're always, you're always, it's like someone who's always reliable, who's always there and never leaves. He's like, like the old no, 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 they're like a growth. You know, okay. <laughs> like I see you taking a very different slide to this, but fair enough. No, no, no. I'm taking the absolute right slide to it. Uh, they're like a growth. <laughs> they're like a growth in at seven that has to be lasered out if it ever wants to move. But mm. nobody's willing to do it because it's so benign and unobtrusive that there's like ah fuck it, just leave it. It just has an, um, a weird face on it. It's fine. Yeah, we'll just draw a face of it and call it Alan. Um, so. <laughs> you have a player called Alan, so that checks out. <laughs> Yeah, but that was two L's, fucking foreign cuts. Ah, fair, okay, fine. Um, yeah, no, it's just... Ah, fucking talking, like... I'm like, I could... Ah, I could crack jokes about Everton, but it's like making jokes about fucking furniture. So <laughs> I'm just... I'm just not going to bother. We'll just move on. We'll just move on. <laughs> just move um, on. Let's move on to more interesting teams, like Chelsea, who, um, four, not four days since we released our last podcast, uh, not two days even, and they sacked Frank Lampard in a move that somehow Chelsea Twitter was delighted about, which shows you how fickle those fuckers are. And wow. um, and they also made the appointment that everyone was expecting, which was Thomas Tuchel. Um, so I, I've I've had my opinion on Thomas Tuchel in the past about how he's a relatively more, more by imagine overrated manager, and um, who I, I again this is going to sound really harsh, but he is kind of living in the shadow of Jurgen Jurgen Klopp CV wise because he was at Mainz under Klopp and then he replaced him at Dortmund. And like, I think what Klopp is that because he's had he's he's the name attached to the to the Gagan Preston system. And I think a lot of the people who studied under that same system, like uh, Tuchel and Daniel Farke and David Wagner, they all have different takes on it, but they never seem to get the balance right. Rang- didn't Rangnick do that as well? Rangnick as well, yeah. yeah. And they all kind of came through the mind system. And the the Wolfgang, who was the the manager who kind of pioneered it, they were all his students in the end. And the thing is with that. Tuchel kind of has the possession-based part of that. And uh, I, I, again, it's, it's, it's weird because it works in some aspects and sometimes it doesn't. But for the Chelsea side, it probably will work for them because they have the personnel to do it. But ultimately, it's just coaching them a style of football that makes sense. And that's probably what he's going to do. In a Chelsea it's, just gonna, it's just going to keep it simple. Yeah. Um, because like, they brought him in primarily because so, as a kind of like German whisperer. Yeah, um, I know. I know that he is German, but like the the they've spent like four billion quid on German players, and you know Lampard. Like there was a big a good article in the uh, the Athletic claiming that the six players that they signed Lampard only wanted one of them, and that was Ben Chilwell. Mm. <laughs> so they spent a quarter of a billion quid on players that he didn't really want and he couldn't really do anything with. So they've gone, well, who's the best person to get something out of two Germans and a Moroccan? A German. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they've just signed in Tuchel. You know? uh, Tuchel's also got a bit of prior with Chelsea because Lampard was freezing out Hudson Adoy mm. um, uh, because you know, he, he just didn't rate him. And Chelsea were like, look, we... That's when like Chelsea gave him like a ridiculous 140 grand a week contract for a 19 year old who'd done fuck all. And they mm. really gave him that because um Paris Man were trying to sign them and who was in charge of Sanjaban when they were in a snipe Hudson Adoy? Mr. Thomas Tuchel. Tuchel, you know. 
Yeah, exactly. So they've got he's he's got a team that he should be able to work with in a lot of Germans, and he's going to focus everything around Hudson Odoi, which Chelsea are going to love because he's an academy player and also Tuchel has always loved. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I reckon that's why they've gone with it. You know, it, it was the most obvious like, choice, really. Like you can kind of tell, well, yeah. like it. Like I think yeah, yeah. in a podcast past where like the Chelsea almost kind of signed players for a different manager. You know, with Lampard, he was always kind of felt like kind of like a a like a political choice in a, in a sense that like oh this would be a a a, a, a um. Well, no, I always I always thought they signed I always thought they signed Lampard because they knew because they were under a transfer ban. Yeah, and they knew no no other could to take the job. Yeah. So the fact, yeah, exactly, because Lampard was foolish enough to take it. Um, when you should always, you always have the golden rule: never go back to manage your former club, Graves Unes. You know, it doesn't work. It never happens. Even not even that. Never, never do anything where Roy Keane's making an awful lot of sense. Like Roy <laughs> Keane said about that. He, like Roy Keane said about that. He's like, what? Well, he's got none of the answers for Derby, but suddenly Frank's got all the answers for fucking Chelsea. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm, like you're sitting there and you're going, like, you can't actually argue with that. I was like, no. and then you realise you're agreeing, you're agreeing with Roy Keane, no. and then you get this, then you get this icy shudder through your body, right? And then you sort of reevaluate yourself. And you think, fuck, I've got a degree. I'm actually smarter than this. What's wrong with me? And uh, you, you kind of you go you go sort of out of your body a wee bit, and you look at yourself, and you're going, you fucking prick. Look what you've become. <laughs> And then you realise that you're just talking about Roy Keane and then you just move on to something more important like dishwashing. Yeah. <laughs> we love cans. We all love cans. Uh, cans. Yeah, yes. you love, we love cans. Love you, you're going to be hearing more of the opening sounds all the way throughout this. I am yes. not apologising. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, like, like yeah, we, we, we were going to divulge a bit of time in Chelsea, but I think we kind of summarised it quite well in a sense. Yeah, like this... this appointment does work for Chelsea, but only because like Lampard's appointment was never going to last long, really. Um, like the legacy of the, Chelsea, of the Lampard appointment was that he brought in some youth players that we will no longer use. That's, that's, the, that's the legacy. We just kind of go back into the loan farm and that can, um, you know, never be heard mm-hmm. of again, uh, but they might sell them off even for, you know, a couple of million and, you yes. know, make a profit on that. Um, but yeah, I agreed there that like Lampard was a fall guy there because of that one transfer window ban. Mm. Like that's how fragile the Chelsea, I don't know, ego is that they, you know, well, we can't buy someone this window, so we're going to fail at everything. So let's throw this guy in who's willing to fail with us. Yeah. Um, and he was like, I, I actually can't imagine that he knew that he was going to get sacked. I think he believed that he was such a hero to the club that they'd never sack him. Um, yeah. yeah, no, um, I just, uh, I think Emma Hayes should have got the job, but like, good luck to Thomas Tuchel. The, the weird thing about it is that like, I think Chelsea fans en masse perhaps try to delude themselves into thinking Chelsea could change in this fact. Like you heard all the reports that Abramovich wanted to do, try and like leave a, a more uh, concrete legacy at Chelsea and wanted to use what was there. Because let's face it, like, Chelsea have like, like all, across the board, Chelsea has one of the best teams in the world between the men's, the women's and the youth uh, system. They have one of the best setups in the world. And there's and not even that for facility-wise, just for talent-wise, 
they procure an ungodly amount of talent. And in a way, yeah. like you can you can understand like from a Chelsea fan's point of view, why can't we use that? Why can't we? Why why couldn't we have kept the Brian or Lukaku and other players like that? And then suddenly, when you do get this like really good crop of talent, like Hudson Odoi, Mount Abraham, Loftus Cheek, Christensen, all in one go, like of course you have to use that. Or Reese James, Jesus, I totally forgot about Reese James. Even then. You have this generation, this generation of talent that any other team would have made a class of 92 of. Man United would have based his team off this. Arsenal are doing this now with the likes of Saka, Willock and, and Smith Rowe. That's a generational class that you can build a team around. And Chelsea get this almost every two years. They have players in the pipeline that could turn out like this and they just get churned out to fucking Vitas Arnhem. And I think the, the hope was that Lampard could have like proven that like he didn't have to just keep buying and selling and sacking off like it's fucking house of cards. You could have d- delivered a legacy. And the thing is, like last season, he did. They they did a good job last season with the players they had because they were new, they were fresh. It was a new approach. The problem was when things got tough and when Chelsea reverted to the mean and bought in, Lampard didn't know what to do because he wanted to manage a different team in Chelsea. He wanted to manage his own boys and he wanted to make a team that made sense. And the trouble was that he ended up alienating team players that he could have used, like Marcus Alonso, who, ironically enough, scored a whopper goal against Burnley. He's a horrible, terrible, terrible defender, but he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's talented, you know. And Hudson Adoy, Rudiger. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't, fielded, he wasn't fielded as a defender. He was fielded as a wing back, which is where he's yeah, the he best. Knows. Yes, exactly. So the thing no. is, like, and this is, the, this is the point, like, the fact that Lampard now, at that point then, got so. Um, ingrained in what he thought was the right thing, the stubbornness kind of kicked in. And I think a lot of young managers will be like that as well. You know, we see that all the time with player managers. They have this way and it has to be worked because it worked for their entire career. And then suddenly when Chelsea go, eh, no, we're going to sign all these players and you have to make it work. You're asking a manager who's not even three years of a manager in, <laughs> in, the, in, in his career and you're expecting them to, to, this huge project that you just thrown on top of him. Well, you can handle it. You're Frank Lampard. You know what to do. It's like no, mate, no. You, like, th- this is why this is why you failed because I don't, I don't for- even. I d- yeah, I I agree that it was too much for him, but I agree that it was too much for him because he's a crap manager. Like I think yeah. you're, I think I think you're giving him a, just a wee bit too much credit there. Like you're thinking like it's all it's all Chelsea. Like there's no other manager on the planet. Like like mm. if. If Arsenal had owners who just went out on their own whim and bought Hakim Zayek, I'd have mm. to go fucking change my shorts. Yeah. You know, I was like, I would fucking love for our owners to do that. Oh, what's new today? Oh, hang on. Here's Timo Werner. Have us some of that. Mm. Yes, please. Didn't really need him, but fuck it. We will take that. Yeah. Pulisic. Oh, yeah. Grab a bit of that. Have me some of this. So, like, the fact that he wasn't able to make anything of these players isn't a damning indictment of the recruitment department. Yeah, they didn't really consult up. The only one he wanted was Ben Chilwell. Mm. Um, fine, you know. Cool. I'm willing to concede that. But if you can't make something of that, I'm like, look at that team on paper, man. Like, oh, you no, can't make something of... If you can't make something of that team, then you, you, the problem is you. The problem is not the team. Can I just jump in and like um, I know Chelsea won against Spurs last night and it was like it was a fairly resounding victory, but there isn't necessarily like 
Knuckle has got it. I'm going to call Knuckle as well. Um, Knuckle is going. <laughs> is it, he's got to get the plaudits of like, look, they're playing cohesively. They didn't have to get out of third gear uh, for the match against Spurs last night. Like they at no point had to. Like Sun had one chance, and I think Ndombele had a free kick that nearly went near the goal. They had nothing to do other than that defensively wise, and um, it, just kind of looking at the likes of Werner and uh, a couple of those big names in their team, you're kind of going, well, they actually have a couple of levels they can move. I'm going to be scary if there is a pattern to unlock that. Mm. At the like, have watched that match last night. I haven't watched any other of Tuchel's games as manager. Yeah, um, uh, I, th- I think a, a stat that actually kind of falls into that, that Tuchel's had, I'm going to call him that as well, fuck it. That Tuchel has had is that the Chel- the Spurs game, he got two shots on target. And out of his last three games, they're the only two shots on target he's, his team has faced. Yeah. And he, his first two games, he did not have even have a shot on target. That's how... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's it, it, yeah, it's 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 that thing where like the two shots is, on target. I'm sorry, and the two shots on target that you had that Spurs had, I would have literally saved. Mm, yeah, they were legit. Like they were like no, I, no. Mm. But yeah, no. I just I I I'm look like from an outsider's point of view, I would look forward to seeing Toko play against some other kind of yeah. Uh, more organised, more structured, more adventurous teams than what he has come up against in the match against Spurs. Um, I'm not ready to be terrified of them just yet, but I no. am also apprehensive that he he's definitely going to have more skills than Lampard to unlock mm. the potential in these players. But I didn't, I haven't seen it yet because they haven't needed to do that yet. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast and. Um... For just before the Arsenal Manchester United game, Carl uh, Anke, who's a Manchester United blogger, and he's actually a really, really good one. And uh, he he was like, to, like Tushel going to Chelsea. He's like, he's actually scared of that. He's like, when that clicks, be afraid. Yeah, but he's, and he is and, uh, I, He's a short term fix, yeah. but it's a fix that will work. It's just a matter of when, and then when it boils off, then. That's the way I can't. So funny enough, their next their, their next game is Sheffield on Sunday. <laughs> Interesting. And then uh they've Barnsley in the FA Cup then after that. Mm. Now I will say Barnsley is a banana slip. <laughs> banana. Then they've uh, then they've Newcastle, mm. Southampton. Sorry, they've Newcastle, then Southampton, and then their first Champions League game kicks in, which is Atletico. Madrid. Mm. I, I reckon. So the thing is, he's going to get till twenty third of February without really being tested, because I yeah. don't see any of those. <laughs> I certainly don't see Barnsley. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Uh, and I mean that with the maximum amount of disrespect to Southampton, Newcastle, and Sheffield. <laughs> so yeah, oh, we'll, yeah we'll check in with Chelsea later on uh, in our next podcast and see how we're doing maybe like Sheffield beating 3-0 like last season that would be nice I, I, that would be very funny um, but I doubt it considering Sheffield has that would be quite tasty that would be funny that yeah, wouldn't that would be tasty yeah. funnily enough actually here uh, since we've been talking a report has come in on the Guardian that Chelsea are going to try and hijack David Alaba's move to Real Madrid. Oh! 
stop. He's not worth it. He's not. I only yeah. say that because we keep getting linked with him. I said, no, I don't want a 30 year old on 200 grand a week. Fuck off. He wants more than that. He wants more than exactly. 200k a week. Fuck him. No, I'm not yeah. interested. R- Romaninga, Romaninga described him as a money hungry piranha. Yeah, <laughs> and that's oh, why they let him go. That's why they let him go. But yeah, but apparently, yeah, Chelsea are aiming to hijack David Alaba. David Alaba, and he's, and he's twenty-eight, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so top five time, lads. West Ham. If they, now, if they if they oh, get yeah. him, holy fuck! <laughs> don't I don't know. I, I, it's, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I he's got to be past it at this age. He's only he, twenty-eight, he, like for. He's you see, the thing is, like, he, he was a left back for a long time. And he got out. See, the Alaba thing is a bit of a false flag because, like, he was left back. He was Munich's left back for years, and then Alfonso Davies arrived and completely wiped the floor with him. So since then, he's been retrained as a centre back. And I'll be honest, like, yeah. I don't see it because he's 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 short, he's scrappy. I get it, but like, it's like for me, it's like seeing Henderson at centre back. It's like it's unnatural. It doesn't look right. It feels like morally wrong. You know, as a centre back, it's like seriously, she's a striker. Why are you doing this oh. to me? <laughs> yeah, you know how I feel about this. Um, so I'm seeing Reece Nelson play for the under 23s. Yeah, Ooh. 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 anyway, on to the top five, which is even more disappointing than that. Yes, West Ham. Um, five they are second in the form table, lads. Five wins out of the last six, and it's all yeah. thanks to Thomas Suchek. <laughs> he just he, I I have never heard of this guy um to be fair like he's only obviously scoring the goals at the minute like he's in top form but he did like a really nice inter- post match interview where he was just like just so happy to have won a game and like he was like I'm so happy and like he thanked his wife and it was like oh like you never hear that like no. whatever like well, in all fairness, if we had to wait through Kyle Walker thanking all of his sexual partners, we'd be here all fucking year. That's fair. That's a fair point. It's a good comparison, Neil. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. We had to get our like, mandatory Kyle Walker job in. <laughs> Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker. Um, but yeah, no, I, like, I watched that like, post-match interview and I was like, he just seems like the happiest guy. Like, you yeah. just, was like, I'd like to go for a pint with him. He's happy at West Ham as well. Like, how optimistic of a person do you have to be to be happy to play for West Ham? Do you know the funny thing is? I think he's happy because there's no fans. They've got no one shouting at them. Like, this is the best season because there's no fans in the stadium. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He's like the the happiest. Exactly. He's the happiest. He's the happiest cockroach in the nuclear winter. He's just walking around going, This is great. Yes. This is fucking exactly. deadly. Um but yeah, they're just going they're just doing really well and, and like just like putting the wins away. Like it's I have to say they've got they something's working at West Ham. I don't know what it is. It's they seem to have yeah. something in, in the it, water. Lo- it looks set to continue anyway because the next match is against Fulham. Oh, delightful. Um, uh, and Scott then Parker, they've got Derby. Excellent. Yeah, and then they've got Manu in the FA Cup. Might not get through that. And then they've Sheffield United in the league. They'll probably win that. Then if Spurs in the league, they'll definitely win that. Definitely win that. Yeah, that's not on. <laughs> <laughs> so they've not re- they're not really getting tested until the twenty seventh of February when they come up against C. Mmm. James, if Moisey puts one on Guardiola, then this season. Oh has to man! Look at like when you think about it, that has to can't be. 
that just cannot be. Yeah, like I love the, it, the but it cannot be. Like, exactly, the instant the full time whistle goes on their three one victory over City, then like the four horsemen will just come out of the fucking tunnel, going, "Yep, yeah. yeah, lads, <laughs> thanks, Dave. We'll yeah. take it from here." Like and I can, like, I can accept Brendan <laughs> Rogers like putting fat five past Guardiola because I can imagine he'll be talking about that for decades. Like he'll be doing after dinner speeches about that in twenty years time. He'd probably commission a pa- probably commission a painting of it. Oh, I love it. He love it. He get two new teeth as well. <laughs> love Brendan Rogers. And um, so let, let's talk about the top four, shall we? So the top four as it stands is Man City uh, on forty seven with game in hand. Man United then three points behind them. Leicester City then two behind them, and Liverpool on forty after losing to Brighton. Um, so we'll start off with, with Liverpool, and um, I did promise a hot take, and here it is. Yago is shit. Oh! That's, that is quite a hot take, considering that he's an obscenely good footballer. He's a very good footballer, but not for Liverpool in its current shape. I'll explain. Let me explain before football Twitter like calls me a racist or some other shite, um, because football Twitter is uh, – you're all a bunch of bellends. Anyway. So the problem with Thiago in this team, right, is because he's not Jordan Henderson. There's a second hot take for these motherfuckers, right? Thiago needs to control the ball. I mean, I think we, we spoke about this earlier on, right, that, like, he needs to be the, the focal point of the team. And that works absolutely fine if you are um, a Bayern Munich or a, a Barcelona or whatever it is, and you, you work as that, and someone dinks past and dinks past and dinks past, and there's your goal. The thing is, like, the Liverpool team is so much more workmanlike and there's more grit in the team. And Thiago, to his credit, is putting in tackles. He's like trying to match that. But at the same time, when that's well, happening... He did, injure, he did help injure Harry Kane, so I'm happy about that. He does, ex- he does deserve credit <laughs> for that, right? But the thing is, like, I've noticed that when he's starting games, the team, like, the, the, pay, the pace of the team is very, very um, obviously um, reduced. And I think he slows it down. He slows it down, yeah. Yeah. And, th- and this is the trouble we have because. I think in theory, Thiago was meant to be that kind of the, the, the guy with the pass who's able to like just saunter the ball over um, all these kind of like these, these defenders and, and holding back midfielders and everything will be fine. And the thing is, he hasn't been doing that. He hasn't been able to pick out that pass. And I don't know if it's because of the personnel or because he's playing too deep or there's just tactically something wrong there. Either way, he's kind of upset the apple cart in midfield. And... I know, like, on paper, midfield always looks like our weakest um, part of it, but it's actually the most crucial because that's where our work rate comes. That's where our engine is, where we have, like... And I noticed, like, since Milner's come back into the team, we've been playing superbly. And he's 35 and, like, mate, and like must be, like, just held together by tea bags at this point. But here's the thing. He's still putting in the grit, and he is actually making the team work better in the absence of Henderson. And the thing is, like, if I was Jurgen Klopp and we're going up against Man City, I'd drop Thiago. Um, I dropped Thiago just so like I dropped Thiago and Shakiri because having Henderson back in the midfield, having Fabinho and Henderson back in the midfield is far more important than having Thiago on the pitch because Fabinho is the holding midfielder. You good fucking luck trying to get past him, right? He's bringing center back as well. I, w- I wouldn't say no to him staying there as well, but having Henderson in that midfield makes sense because Henderson knows which pass he's going to make before he gets the ball. He has that extra like level of thought that Thiago isn't showing at the moment. But the weird thing is, when Thiago's on as a sub, when he was uh, against Chelsea and Everton, he was brilliant. He he controlled everything because like he was a plan. He was the plan B. But now we're going like, well, we're going against these kind of teams now. They are going to sit back and they're going to try and, and absorb everything we're doing. And they've been doing it successfully because after 15, 20 minutes of Thiago passes, you know what he's going to do. 
you know he's going to pass Dinky out to Robertson and Trent, who's made the run. Someone gets a header on it, and there's your break. It's what it's how Burnley scored against us. It's how Brighton has scored against us. I was about, I was about to say that it's like when we were looking at the your match against um, Manchester United, mm. I made the, I said that as well. I was like every Manchester United chance or break came from them pressuring Thiago and him turning off the ball. Exactly. So this because is the thing that, he always has the ball. If you can get at him and mm. you can get him turning the ball over, then you're going to have chances because when he gets the ball, the, whole, the rest of the Liverpool team essentially goes to sleep. Exactly. Because they're dependent on him now making the passes. Yeah. And I think, um, I'm trying to think now, what was their team that had that problem as well? I think it was Man United or someone like Anyway, they, they, it was Kane. It was Harry Kane but for, for goals and Spurs. Look what happens now when Harry Kane's out of the squads. They, like they, they're too dependent on him now. They can't, they can't function. It's fu- what's really funny about the Kane thing there as well, because I can remember us a few years back, like not even actually one or two years back, saying that Spurs were better with Kane out of the squad because they'd all these other goal scorers, but they've sold mm. all them off, you know, and they can't get them back. Like they won't yeah. get Ericsson back because he's they earning. Or they got um, Bale. Oh my God, Bale is no. such a fucking sack. Yeah. He, no, like, no. In all fairness, like if his if his stint at if his if his stint at Spurs is to show how Real were like wrong to treat him the way that they did, he has failed. Mm. Because my God, he is just too comfortable on that bench. In fact, when he got taken off in their last match, he looked almost relieved when he was walking <laughs> off the pitch. Yeah, he just not, he just doesn't like football anymore. That's the reality of it. But um, yeah. but the other thing is like, and again, people are probably listening to this and going like, "Where's your evidence that like Thiago is upsetting the, is upsetting the team?" I'll give you an example. West Ham, okay, he was on the pitch, but he wasn't involved in any of the goals. And actively, the three goals we scored against them was because we did something different. We brought on Curtis Jones, and Jones, like legit, the first thing he did when he was on the pitch was play the ball into Salah, and Salah scored the goal. We didn't need Thiago. Thiago was not involved in that move whatsoever. The second goal. So is Thiago was a, kind of uh, is Thiago kind of your William that nobody passes the ball to him. You know what? I'm actually worried for you. <laughs> so it's, it's a very similar situation because you think you're bringing William in as a complete product, set pieces, the dead ball specialist, whatever the fuck it was, and like like noodles of experience. You'll be able even if he doesn't have that pace, he has experience to put himself in the right spot. With Thiago, we kind of did the same thing in theory with that, like, well, we know that teams are going to be more defensive against us. We know we're going to have the ball more. We need to do something different with it. The trouble is that now that we have him in the team, we're just doing the exact same thing every game and expecting it to work. This is why we've dropped points to, to Bromley and Newcastle. You can't keep throwing these over-the-top balls to, like, a fullback out of position against a, 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 a wingback or a sideback, whatever it is, who's like three or four inches taller than him. You need to play it on the ground. You need to do something different. And if Thiago is dictating the play all the time and he's working to his tempo, his tempo is not the same as the rest of the team. It clearly isn't. Henderson suits that tempo better because he's the captain. He knows that his team's ticks. So if he's in the midfield, if he's back in the midfield for Man City, we'll play a lot better. I can guarantee you that. We might still lose, but we'll play better. We'll make better chances because we're going up against a team that suits us. Hmm? Can you play Henderson and Thiago in the same team? I, I think we can because I've noticed in the last few games we played Wijnaldum as number six. And you know what? Yeah. He's actually sneakily good at it. But the problem is... Yeah, he's, he's a, good. Like, yeah. The thing about like with Thiago and Wijnaldum in your team, you know hmm. for a fact that the other 
the other team aren't seeing any of the ball because it's yes. just going through those two guys. Like they the just, is, they're just you're total ball team, hogs. Yeah, but if you're going up against a team that doesn't want the ball, if you're going up against a Burnley or a Brighton who are going like, have the ball. Like we, we are defending. We are moving. We are not moving. Mm. We're static. You're the ones that are doing all the hard work. And then once you punch drunk yourselves, we'll run up and score a goal. And you know what? That's what's happened. That's what Bromley tried to do. That's what Newcastle tried to do. And it kind of worked for Bromley as well. They got back into that game. So when I say when I when I say like Thiago like needs to improve on his game, and I know I, that sounds like sacrilege to half football Twitter, but for this Liverpool team, yes, he does. He needs to 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 work with how we do things. You know, um, I do I do think like recently when he started, he was playing number six and it didn't suit him. But now that you have, we have tweaked him to the field enough to say we have someone else playing there now. He can play further forward. I have not seen the benefit of that yet. I've seen the benefit. I've seen the benefit of Milner playing there, and bringing in that hard work and that grit that we need. I've seen the benefit of bringing Curtis Jones on, because like legit, his first touch was an assist in the West Ham game. And um, Shakiri, I'd even say, has been a better fit than Thiago has been, because Shakiri's played as number ten for us recently, because um, he played like a diamond against West Ham, and that was actually quite good. Um, and he played that fucking beautiful ball for Salah in to, to score the second against West Ham. That was one of the best counter-attacking mm-hmm. goals I've ever seen. But the only thing is, more of that, please. <laughs> let's let's get, let's resign the ball a little bit. Let's not be so dependent on possession. Okay, you got your defenders in now. You got two defenders in for the rest of the season. Make use of them. Don't fucking break them. And let's see where you go with this. But start going back to where what what worked in the last few seasons. Put Henderson back in midfield. Maybe put Fabinho to number six. Or if you want him a centre back, it's fine. I don't think it makes much of a difference. But definitely Thiago is the issue. He's the he's the square peg at the moment because. If he's dictating the play and he's still kind of playing like in Munich style, where you had you, you had like four runners in midfield, Liverpool's not quite like that. It's more diverse. It's it's keeping that midfield moving and fluid, and it's the fullbacks that have more of the attack. He needs to start. He needs to adapt to us. We don't adapt to him because that's that's not how this works. You know what I mean? Not one club is not one player is bigger than the club. Okay, if he's going to be playing, if he's going to be our playmaker. <laughs> But but the thing is, like, if he's gonna be if he's gonna be our playmaker, play make to the to the players, not to yourself, mate. Like, stop playing the same pass. Like, find an opening or uh, fuck it, just resign the ball. Give it, just let let them attack, and then you hit them on the counter. I've never seen a, I haven't seen a better a good counter attack with Thiago involved in it because that's I don't think that's his style. Do you think that this is just kind of first season? Like, he he hasn't played all that many matches with you. Like, he's. Mm. Do you think he just needs time to adjust to the team that he's with now? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of it does come come down to that. And, it, you know, it, it's a bit unfair to him as well because he's being parachuted into a team that, like, has had a set style. Um, and, it, like, and when they do try and change things, they do it quite slowly. And the difference is, like, he doesn't have the time, he doesn't have the days for training that we would normally have in a season. You know, like, this is, like, like February is, like, two games a week for the entire month. That's hell. That is hell for players like Thiago because you need that time to, to work up a chemistry, to work up a dynamic. But what I would do is I would not be playing him. I'd wait until he gets a system going. Like, wait until he has, like, a, a, a system in place for, say, like a Firmino, for example, or a Mane or, or whoever else. Until he get that chemistry, I don't think this team works. You know, although what I would say, when Jota comes back, I think Thiago's going to play a lot better. Because Jota is now that runner past the back line. He's making those runs that 
um, Mane, and, Mane and Sally Salah don't do as much of anymore. They want to have the ball to feet. But Jota's running in. So if Thiago's doing the overtop ball, Jota will pick up on it and he'll score from it. So I think it's, it kind of works in conjunction. Um, so I, I'll be interested to see. But I, for Man City, I wouldn't play Thiago in it because like that's I, um, I'm For the Man City game, I'm more interested in the scrap that's going to happen between Pep and Klopp. Yeah, Pep has taken massive, consi- massive offence at Klopp, claiming that they had two weeks off of Christmas, which is true. COVID, and he's like, <laughs> they had the COVID outbreak. Oh, yeah. oh, hang on, you're gonna get us fucking flamed here on YouTube. Oh, I didn't, okay, didn't have the two weeks off, but they weren't playing football, so they were doing, they were doing fitness, they were doing rehab, like they were doing something. Can't tell me that they were just Oof. sitting at home eating fucking Pringles. They weren't. Okay, okay. Take it that uh, here. Uh, if I had a hot take button, I would be fucking slamming it. Villa has had a big dog. Villa haven't played in 2021. Yeah. This mm-hmm. year, and they are up against Man City as their first match back. City, on the other hand, have played three matches. So mm. who would you think is at the disadvantage there, Jonathan? Mm-hmm. I see your point, but this, but this is the thing. Bear, 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 bear. Right. I'm not, okay. I'm not like, I'm, Klopp is, is correcting what he's saying, but he's also like making the wrong points because Man City still have to play those games. You know what I mean? Like, like his argument is a bit, is obviously flawed, but he is correct in what he's saying. If you do have a two week break in, in between these two stints, you are going to play better. You like, you just have time. Time is what like these clubs need to win it. So when Liverpool have had like, albeit a very good record with COVID at the moment, bar Allison and Keita, I think, and Simakas. Like, it's been fine. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a breakout. But, like, if you look at, like, how many teams have had Villa, uh, Everton, Newcastle, they've all had outbreaks. They have a, a week or two off to recharge batteries. For a team like Man City, that's a godsend because, like, that gives you a chance to just, like, figure out what's wrong with your team. Like, two weeks for Guardiola to figure out his defence and the solution was Ruben Diaz and John Stones. And the fact that, like, okay, now we can play, do more with Jesus. We can do these tactical tweaks. Of course, the two weeks are as useful. But here's the thing. They still need to play those games up. So they could still have trouble with that. Or now that they found the right answer, they won't have any trouble. You know, I don't think it's going to be season-defining because, like, we've lost to Brighton and Burnley. We can't blame, like, their two-week holiday on our form. It's not the same thing. It's a false equivalence, you know. So, but, yeah, they're correct. They did have, like, a, they had a rest period, you know, if you want to call it that, or at least it'll be used as a rest period. If we had an outbreak, we call it the rest period as well. So, like, I'm, I'm maybe I'm throwing stones from a glass house here, but if the if the roles were reversed, it'd be, be delighted with two weeks off, especially in this season. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about you, lads, but no, it, I think it, I think it's true. Like, of course, I'm just gonna love it when uh, Klopp and Guardiola go face to face, and Klopp Guardiola says something to him, and then Klopp devours him. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, Klopp isn't that so touchy this season. That is entirely possible. Yeah, he's been it, this season has gotten to him. Like, yeah, it has. It really the veneer really is the veneer is very much correct. Definitely. Um, so let's talk about the top three. Then is uh, Leicester forty two. They've been going really well. Um, Vardyless for the time being because he has a hernia. Um, they've been doing okay with him and without him. In fairness, bar the result against Leeds, they they seem to yeah. kind of like. They've been very good to watch as well. I've watched, again, I've ended up watching more Leicester games of late. And um, yeah, they're, they're entertaining enough. Like they're, they're, a decent, they're a decent team. Yeah, yeah, I like them. They're and a really well-balanced team as well. Like they just have good players in good positions playing well. 
Yeah, and they're out to uh, kind of quash the whole they fall off in the second half of the season. Yes. Sort of myth. Um, in particular, now they got Brendan Rodgers as manager and he was a notorious falling off in the second half of the season manager. Yeah, one of the most famous ones, I would say. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. We'll see, um, yeah. Um, yes. They're up against Wolves next. So let's see how much of a shot in the arm we were to Wolves' self-esteem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, should be interesting. Cool, should be good they've game, got, Then they've got Brighton in the FA Cup. And then their next league game after that is Liverpool. Mm, and then they I kick, think you'll be okay with. Yeah, and then they kick off their Europa League against Slavia Prague. Delightful. The, the, the birthplace of Thomas Suchek, funny enough. Um, <gasps> yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah. uh, again... We, we, uh, we have another podcast that ends with the two Manchester clubs on top. Uh, City on 47, United on 44. Pretty much as you were since the last time we spoke to them. Man City on a brilliant run, 19 unbeaten. United kind of keeping pace, but the performances are like not as nowhere near as, as good. They're just getting results. 9-0. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll qualify that. They, Southampton had a youngster sent off, and the team are playing. Were, I've never seen a team defend so badly since the last time Southampton lost 9-0. Well, like, in, in, in all fairness, like they they went down to ten men after seventy nine seconds, quite rightly. Yes, um, absolutely. Like holy shit, that was a shall we say an agricultural Problematic. tackle? Problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a, a yellow card in women's football. To be fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> yeah, it would have only been a it would have only been a red card in uh, women's football if she, she had been kicked into the car park. Um, as a tradition yeah laddered through the fucking windscreen of a Ford Cortina yeah but to to United's credit they put them away they didn't faff about they just just put the fuckers to to the sword and that's what they that's what they do good well the other team's also chipping in themselves but on goals like it helps a lot yeah (laughs) I think did not do my fantasy football team fuck me Favourite. What was that for? Minus seven, I think it was. Minus yeah. seven. Minus seven. Funnily enough, actually, you can't really criticize her. I also had Bendrek. I also had Leno in goal. Uh, and I thought that was bad having Ings on the team. No, man, I had, I had Bendrek and Leno. Um, funnily no, enough, I, I played my wild card and completely revamped the team. And the only people I kept were Martinez and Bednarek. <laughs> I had Martinez on the bench. <laughs> What the fuck was I smoking? <laughs> <laughs> Too many cans, man. Too many cans. Oh, yeah. I need to start. I need to either stop or start smoking more cans. Exactly. I, I forget how it works with me. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So that's our league table as it stands. Um, so I suppose we'll go briefly into, uh, into VAR Wars to let you know how that's getting on. Not much to say, thankfully, <laughs> from the match days we've had. Uh, oh. a... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do have uh, one thing to say that VAR just doesn't work no it does not <laughs> and in fact I've, I, if I'm right in saying I think there's only one positive from this uh, week no yep only one so that came from match day 20 that was the uh, uh, from between West Brom and Man City uh, the Joe Cancelo goal was uh, overturned by VAR it was initially offside but they proved he was Mahrez was on beforehand so that goal was given um, and then the two taken away were from the same game, Liverpool and Spurs. Son's goal ruled for offside, and then Salah's goal was ruled off because uh, Firmino handballed, even though Eric Dyer handballed as well, but fuck it, whatever. Details. 
And uh, moving on then to uh, match day 21. Uh, <laughs> actually, let's move on to Southampton full stop. Because <laughs> uh, they got two, minus two over the last, over the last week. Um, the uh, Ings equaliser against Villa was ruled off because his arm was offside. By the way, you remember how like the rule was applied where like the sleeveless part of the arm, if yeah. that's like, there's, yeah. there's a distinction there if that's offside, it's not given. It was still given offside. So fuck off, R. Just fuck off. You can't even be consistent. I mean, seriously, who throws the shoe, man? Um, and then in the uh, 9-0 thrashing of um, of, uh, of Man United by Southampton, the, Bed- the Bednarek red card was VAR approved and then overturned two days later because, again, fuck VAR. So where does that lead uh, everybody, you're probably asking? Well, we still have a winner of VAR Wars. That's Manchester United, uh, still on two. And Liverpool are still losing VAR Wars now by minus six. Um, so they're definitely getting relegated, if you want to call it that. I don't know. Um, they're going down, lads, is what I'm saying. Um, so that's Bar Wars. I'll let you know about the sackings as well. We've only had three. Um, one we've already mentioned, which is Frank Lampard being replaced by Thomas Tuchel. The point goes to Luton Town because their last game was against them, the FA Cup, which they won 3 um, 1. Yeah. A wholly convincing result, but nevertheless. Um, then two in the in the in the EFL, uh, Glenn Hodges uh, got sacked by AFC Wimbledon, or at least they mutually agreed to terminate his contract. Um, and the point goes to MK Dons. So that they could leave the vacancy open for Emma Hayes. Emma Hayes. Emma Hayes. That was the the man woman they definitely wanted to get in. Yes, <laughs> that went well, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, so and the last one then was Bournemouth, um, who sacked their manager two days ago, Jason Tindall. He was Eddie Howe's number two. Uh, for the last few years, they basically uh, run of four losses. Can you say they swiped left on Tindall? Shit, that's going ah, to ah, oh, I'll have to take that. I you need to, to flash that. up a. You need to flash up a photo of the the husky with the smiling husky. Is like ah. <laughs> <laughs> but funny enough, I only I only realise it's now after looking this up. But he's been replaced by Jonathan Woodgate, um, on an interim basis. Because uh, he Woodgate uh, joined the team as a coach like two days before Tyndall was sacked. How convenient! Um, and a car- well, funny enough, actually, Steve, uh, big Steve Bruce is at the field off accusation to that as well. Yes. Um, about your man Graham being re- brought in as they his replacement, and he's like, no, 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 that's not happening. It is that's odd having like a a disti- an actual manager who's managed as your assistant, but it's happened before. Like, it's not unusual it's just weird to see it twice in a row just saying lads um but yes uh, he, he doesn't see it as a step up uh, emma uh, emma uh, no uh, other place yeah, lads. <laughs> lads. where's the men's world cup i demand the men's uh, uh, but, uh, we're gonna but yeah. we're gonna have to flash up a retraction in case she hunts me down and kills me <laughs> and she will eat your heart in front of your family she will you actually know. eat it right at, no, still beating out of my fucking chest nailed on that um, you, but you want know- me <laughs> <laughs> you want some you want some you know who the two favourites are for the Bournemouth job at the minute um, and at 6-4 to four is John Terry and evens is Frank Lampard ah oh, fucking hell yeah lesser two evils there lads eh Nevertheless, um, the point on that one goes to Sheffield Wednesday, who have been uh, Pulis free for the last couple of weeks. So there has actually been some movement because MK Dons is now on two kills for the season. Um, <gasps> but uh, Fleetwood Town still leading the way on three. But good job, MK Dons. 
Um, so it's actually something really ironic about MK Dons getting a Wimbledon manager sacked. I didn't realize that until now. That's pretty funny. Some barely ironic. Yes, indeed. Speaking of bitter, bitter irony, let's get into our cods, lads, shall we? Um, yes! Can I start? Because I want to talk about a football club. Um, All right, then. That's not Chelsea or Barcelona or Liverpool. Uh, I want to talk about Ligue 1 and specifically Olympic Marseille. Now, if you listen to any French journalist... Uh, what has those cheese-eating surrender monkeys been up to? I don't know, Neil, but let me tell you a story about Marseille. Um, apparently, Olympic Marseille has a bit of a reputation as Le Banter Club in France. Um, they have a wolf, they've had, for generations, a woefully inconsistent owner on the scale of, like, Silvio Berlusconi and, like, uh, fucking Barry Fry's left foot. But... Uh, they've had like some years of normality for the last while, only to now really just like erupt in like a beautiful um, plume of French arrogance in a weird way. And um, so Marseille had a very good season last year um, under the tutelage of Andre Villas-Boas, which I know is a surprise to all of us. But, um, but the weird thing was like, obviously their season was made a lot better by the fact it was suspended. And in that season, teams like Lyon and Monaco and Lille were all having really bad dips because they all made bad recruitments and bad uh, managerial signings. They sacked them all and they were all on the charge up or up the, up the t- table as the league got called off. So Marseille got um, marked the second place and uh, Rennes was third. Rennes are not as bad a banter club, um, but they um, still got the Champions League rubied away. Marseille, on the other hand, didn't deserve to be in the... Champions League, to be honest. They were the Europa League team at best. Uh, and even and don't take my word for that. Take the word of the Marseille manager, Andre Villas-Boas, who did actually say in a press conference, we're not a Champions League team. We don't have the money for it. And as, uh, as we'll probably mention later on, there is actually no money in France. Ligue 1 is like bankrupt, uh, oh, TV-wise. bankrupt. They yes. Were, uh, they were done up like a kipper. Indeed, they um, were. And the magical thing is that um, French football fans are not happy about this. There have been like riots at several French teams up and down the league. Um, AS and Etienne has had uh, crowd trouble, but the worst one was Marseille last week, where uh, their ultras stormed the training pitch and set fire to a few trees and injured their captain with a flare to the back, um, which is, you know, unfortunate, <laughs> it's fair to say. But the curious thing is, that is still not the only story around Marseille this week, uh, because transfer deadline day happened uh, a couple of days ago, on Monday to be precise. And as is always the case, you have this kind of crazy season where things happen like Jesse Lingard to West Ham and a Preston centre-back to Liverpool and stuff like this. But the one that happened in France was Olivier Nacham going from Celtic to Marseille. And to Marseille, this looks like a bargain because the Cham is, is, is valued about 15, 20 million, won't sign a new contract with Celtic. So they got him on loan with an obligation to buy for four and a half million. Good business. Overall, really good business by Marseille. Except they listened to Andre Villas-Boas, who said, I legitimately said no to this man, to this player. I now want to tender my resignation. So Olivier Nacham's first act as a Marseille uh, player, much like Shane Long, funny enough, was for his manager to get sacked because he arrived. Although we don't know that, but long. But we know that this certainly for this player. So in the space of like a week, Olympic Marseille have had ultras storm the training camp and their manager basically say in a press conference beside the PR spokesperson for Marseille, I would like to get sacked, please. Can you sack me? Um, <laughs> so there was a bit like to and froing from AVB and the uh, president and directors, right? So the president accepted his resignation reluctantly. The directors wouldn't. 
and so you're still in the job for another day. And then the director is finally went, okay, fine, we'll fire you, Jesus. And here's the thing. The ADB didn't want any severance. He, did, he wasn't doing it for money. He wasn't doing it for payoff. He dissolved his contract. He said he doesn't want to pay it. He just wants out of the club. Have you ever heard of a situation where a manager just wants to leave and not get paid off? That's what we're yeah, talking he, about here. He literally, he quite literally left money on the table so he could walk out the door. Yes. I mean, like... That is insane. Mourinho has made a career of just going to places and getting sacked and getting huge playoffs. Mm. And uh, shit, yeah. What a, what a welcome for uh, Olivier Dichon. Yes. And like, like, said, this kind of... so bad. like how unwanted is that? Like you arrive in, you're like, yay, gonna play football in the... Well, in all fairness, I understand where you're coming from with that one, but if he gets any more of an unwelcome, uh, un- unwelcome welcome, he only really has himself to blame, given that uh, report, given that quotes from him from years ago have surfaced of him claiming to be a diehard Paris Saint-Germain fan. Who are Marseille's uh, uh, biggest rivals. Derby rivals, yeah, who are Marseille's. Um, and I quote, this is a direct quote, when they score, it does something to me. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's on par. That is on fucking par with Spurs making Doherty delete all of his pro-Arsenal tweets. <laughs> that, is that is good shit, in fairness. That is really good shit. But, um, but yeah, like Marseille is just like a nice little um, example of how on fire French football is right now. Like, seriously, I'm half expecting Marie Antoinette to get sacked as the fucking like leader of the of the league on board. Half honest. expecting all the sacked managers to get guillotined. That's the thing. Like, I like if I was Mark Pochettino, I'd be shitting myself right now. <laughs> like, fucking hell. Like, um. Like, like French football is often a basket case, but it's like a funny basket case. You know, it's like a, it's like a comedy. It's a sitcom, you know. But it's not much of a sitcom when, like, ultras are, like, assaulting their own players and yeah. setting fire to train. That's not on. That's, and that's funny too- enough, like, the Nicham deal was literally the deal that kind of suited nobody because it didn't even suit Celtic because no. they're only going to make their money back on what they paid for them. So they're not even going to turn a profit from the motherfucker. Yeah. This is, like, <laughs> like it, at least... It, at least when they flogged Tierney off the bus, they made some serious bang for their book. But like, yeah. but, um, but which, by the way, we were happy to play. Well. We were happy to pay. But like, <laughs> with Nitchum, like, they're, yeah. they're like, nah, we're not making any cash off this. We just want rid of the cunt. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gas. And, like, and then yeah. people went onto his uh, Wikipedia page and told the world that he was pish. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Scottish football fans never change. Never change. I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't like a thing where I wasn't, I'm surprised there wasn't a thing on the Marseille Wikipedia page. It's just, just like, Olympic Marseille was founded in 1908 and in 2020, they turned the Weans against us. <laughs> Something on those lines. Was beautiful. Um, because so they Bur- were pish. They were pish. <laughs> uh, so Burkba, and I'm going to take one guess at what your, your, um, Yes. We've mentioned this person before. Who is your card for this week? Uh, Craig Paulson. <gasps> I am uh, going to protect So, oh. obviously, uh, yes. obviously uh, you know, just based on... Uh, he came to the forefront of my attention uh, when uh, he gave the red card and the penalty against Louise. 
And yeah, it just, he has been official for a couple of our matches. And usually we don't do very well. So we've had like we've had like a history of um, the like referees that we don't tend to like us, like Mike Dean, <laughs> like Clattenburg. There's a couple of, but this just seems to be a bit ridiculous. Um, yeah, he's got, <laughs> he's shown the most amount of red cards to Arsenal players. Um, you know, that's not really shocking considering how many Arsenal players have gotten red cards. Um, but he's also given the most amount of yellow cards um, to Arsenal. Um, or, or as in his next highest team that he's given cards to is Leicester. Um, but like in equivalence, he's got three yellow cards for Chelsea, four for Liverpool. But his tally for Arsenal is seven yellow cards and two red cards this season. Um so it's just it's, it's a good haul. It's a good haul. Yeah, like nine cards. That's more than all I got for Christmas. Um, like <laughs> it's uh, talking about like um, uh, refereeing decisions. Um, look, I could focus in on him as a ref, which is what I was going to do as my pod, mm. but he did uphold the literal law by sending Louise off and giving a penalty which shows how ridiculous the law is. Um, He has also been on VAR on, I think it was for the Inketia challenge where he got red carded against Leicester, um, where he, like, it was a bad tackle, mistimed tackle, but there was no intent in the tackle. Mm -hmm. Um, The referee had given, I think, a yellow card and Craig Pawson pulled it back, like, no, 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 look at that again. You know, and, and again, you can see, you know, that when it's slowed down and it's looked at, you can't really complain, but it's just that was kind of like uh, he he's just had these moments where he's just it seems to be picking on Arsenal, um, yeah. because he's also been var. Uh, I think it was at the Man United match with Fernandez, um, the rake of uh, Jack's ankle. I could be wrong there yeah. with who, who he mm. was, but like um, there's been one or two decisions where his name is kind of you know because he isn't Mike. And because he, you know, Mark Clattenburg, and it is one of the names where I automatically go, oh shit, we're fucked. I haven't really taken over of it, but he actually has been um, in the top of uh, top of the list in terms of referees that are against us. Um, and look, I'm, I'm well able to kind of hold my head up and say, look, there are matches where we don't deserve to win. There are players who deserve to get sent off. I have no problem with the majority of Louise's settings off from a referee point of view. Mm. From a like fuck you, David Louise. Yeah, I do have an issue with it. But I think this as we've already mentioned in this podcast, this decision just goes beyond common sense. He mm. looked at David Louise and he said, Yeah, he's the kind of fucker who gives away these type of penalties. Off he goes. This is my usual deal. Um, but he is just, just that rule in itself is annoying. It's a double jeopardy rule. They're meant to be taken. Like I thought, the FA. Everyone was talking about it on Twitter. Like I thought, double jeopardy was gone. Blah blah blah. Mm. Um, Louise would have gotten into less trouble if he had cleaned your man out. Yeah, if probably. He had 
throwing himself. Yeah, no, I, I, that's that's uh, funny enough, and this is how poor this is because it finds me agreeing with Rio Ferdinand of all people. Jesus, um, people. exactly. Yeah, I've not had a good week of it. Um, but in that, so basically, here is my interpretation of it. Right, he's run across the back of William Jose, tripped him up. It's accidental, but because he's not attempted to tackle for the ball, because he's not made any attempt at all. Yes. Under the letter of the law, he's deemed not to have made an attempt to play the ball. Ergo, it's a straight red card. But that rule is only there for players who deliberately like poleaxe other players, yeah. not gimps who accidentally run, accidentally get kicked by the other guy because he's pulled his foot back to mm. take a shot. So you see it like in applying the letter of the law, they've gone against the spirit of the law. The law is there to stop people who are just like, or I'll just elbow this guy out of it. So, and then what Leo Ferdinand was saying, it's like defenders looking at that, and I'm going to put it a bit more eloquently than he did, no offense to the man. But defenders looking at that decision are going to go, well, hang on. If the guy burns me and makes contact and goes down, I'm going to get sent off because I've not made any attempt to play the ball. And in mm. not doing so, because he's burned me, I'm going to be deemed to have tripped them up and not played the ball, and therefore I'm going to get a red card. So, in that regard, then, if he's burned me, I'm just going to smash the cunt out of just it. Take a minute, yeah. Because then, and then, then I can then I can turn around to the ref and go, look, I tried to play the ball, I missed it, it's not a red card, it's yellow, and it's a penalty, so fuck it. Mm. So you kind of go, like, you've just put a lot of strikers at severe risk. Because yeah. defenders are now not going to pull out of tackles anymore. Yeah. Because if they pull out of a tackle, they're going to be deemed to have not played the ball. So they're like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do, basically they're going to do now what goalkeepers do. Yeah. Which is, Rush. fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Now, I'll play devil's advocate here, right? And say, is this, is this kind of like a very daft way of balancing it because defenders have their like really stupid, like, handball decisions and shirt pulling and stuff like this. No, no. I know I know it's it's a stupid way of balancing it, but this is the, this is the extent of how the nitpicking has started. It's now escalating between defenders. No, and it's 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 a poor interpretation. Like it's what we're saying like I think we were talking <clears throat> about like um Ings got a goal chalked off because of a handball yes. because they they applied the word of the law which is if it deflects off another part of your body and then hits your arm, it cannot be a handball. And that's the, the the word of the law. Now, yes. in the circumstances of things, it's gone off the guy's thigh and he's actually put his arm out and stopped it going into the goal. <laughs> but because it skimmed off his thigh first, it's not been ruled as a handball, even though he has literally saved the ball. Yeah. And he's not the goalkeeper. <laughs> so, and I think in that regard, you've applied the letter of the law against spirit of the law. Mm. So, David Louise was sent off because he was judged to have not played the ball. But what they've ignored is that he didn't make any attempt to do anything. Yeah. yeah. He literally was just running with a player who was running a lot faster than him. Like, I can see, like, that, if that was happening halfway line, if that whole kind of incident, you can see it's a penalty because, yeah, that would be given as a foul on the halfway That's line. Yeah. yeah, like, not you can't... Well, no, no. It wouldn't yeah, be a yellow card. No, it wouldn't and be. I, I, think, I always think it was a definite penalty, but it's not a card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I just, like, I have just one more thing just to say on Paul. We have um, 
our record with him in the Premier League is he has refereed 17 matches and we've lost seven. Um, with a total of 27 card, uh, yellow cards and uh, two red cards. Those two red cards actually coming from uh, the last match. So I was mm. wrong in terms of the Inketia thing, but I think he might have been on VAR for that. But just, um, he might not have as much of an agenda as um, other referees against us, but there's definitely that kind of nailed on kind of stick and stickler for the rules that doesn't necessarily, like rule, overrules common sense. Like mm. I think um, there's a time and a place for being a stickler for the rules in the game, but I think if you know someone genuinely didn't, in that instance, I don't, maybe I'd be a terrible referee, but if I saw that incident and I saw like, well, he genuinely didn't mean to run into your man, you know, he didn't, run, he didn't run into your guy. The guy pulled his foot back and kicked him. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah but even yeah. if he was running alongside him and they just collided accidentally in a racing incident, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, that, you know, then you not like penalty, yeah, grant, no red card. Fuck that. Anyway, that rule, um, but VAR as well is going to be pulled into my card because I just wanted to say one thing on VAR. I was there. I was there in 2019 Women's World Cup where VAR destroyed some teams. Like yeah, Scotland Scotland's. would have Scotland would have gotten through. Like I was at that match where Argentina uh, where they got knocked out because of VAR overruling so many things. But I said, well, at least the Premier League aren't going to be as bad as that. But, oh my God, was I naive? Yes. Like, we like we expected maybe in the first season or two that there was going to be teething problems. There wasn't going to be the issues. This is worse than what I was seeing in the World Cup because it, you know, oh, it's just it's the level the, of nitpicking the, involved as well. Like you could say, like, okay, this is a these are like you could have now. I'm I'm being very like uh, harsh about this, but an a, an observer would say, oh, it's because like the ref the stands of refereeing in women's football is not as strong as the Premier League, therefore the rules would be applied incorrectly. But as we're saying, but like uh, of course, the officiating officiating in the Premier League is just is worse in my opinion because I find the issue is that you have the same four or five referees refereeing two or three different games in the same week and. These guys are fucked, fucking knackered as well. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're putting a lot of strain on these guys to keep going. And like, not only that, but like on a rotation, like you have, you need to have a, a normal referee, a fourth official, and a VAR official. So there's three referees being used up in one match. And there's like, you need to obviously have a panel of like. In fact, the reason why like some of the games are like staggered the way they are is just that the referees themselves can like get from point A to point B in a day. That's monstrous to me. I think it's I think it's so like ludicrous to put and uh, to put these pressures on these referees. So no wonder they're inconsistent. They don't know where they're fucking going half the time. So like yeah. when someone like Mike Dean, for example, goes from VAR to match in a space of a day, uh, sorry, in a space of a week, beg your pardon. I actually realized I got my days mixed up there. So Hampton happened beforehand, and then it was the Arsenal game. Yeah, so well, yeah. he makes one call. The Benarek call was on Sunday, so he makes that call and like I don't know whether you agree or disagree or not. And then he makes the the same call at the Wolves game then as well. You know, it's it, it's it's it, it's harsh on the referees because they're being overworked. But like this is and this is what happens then. You get these referee decisions, we're arguing the toss about it and no one's happy. You know, because they've applied this second layer of error now on top of everything. 
yeah. and it's it's not doing its job in terms of ruling out errors. It's no. increasing them, which exactly. you know that is the sign of a faulty product there. So, yep. and speaking of faulty product, Neil. Actually, can I cut in here um, with a little a PS to my Marseille story because there is actually some breaking news. Apologies, I just oh, read. Okay. I'm just, I've just caught this here from uh, get from get French football news, a very trustworthy uh, source of French football. Honestly, McCourt, thought you were going to say get fucked football. <laughs> <laughs> that is what they will become because of the TV deal. But nevertheless, um, Frank McCourt, who's the American owner of Marseille, he's in talks to sell the club for 480 million euro to a buyer who would make the club's prime principal sponsor DP World in a project that would see Luis, Luis Campos stay in Ligue 1 and join Marseille. So Luis Campos is a pretty prominent name. He'd basically be part of Marseille instead of actually being in part of the, the football officiating. That's all according to Canal Plus. Uh, and the, here's the weird thing, right? Um, Canal are reporting that Emmanuel Macron, the French Prime Minister, is having a role in facilitating the takeover of Marseille instead of being involved in the broadcasting of Ligue 1 issue. So <laughs> instead of dealing with the, the whole like, the broadcasting thing and saving the French football as a whole, he's involving himself in just the Marseille deal. So somehow they've, like Marseille, have been able to sequester the Prime Minister to help out with their takeover as opposed to saving the league. So some shit's going on there, by the way. Uh, apparently, French football have agreed a TV deal with Canal Plus for the end of the season, but they're missing on out on about 500 million euro overall. So it's it's still a disaster from their side. But, uh, but yeah, I just thought I'd throw that in because that is somewhat breaking news that happened today. So Neil, mm. from one basket case to another. Ah, oh, to my regular basket case of Barcelona. Oh, so Barcelona yes. are now going back to the courts and now it's not because because they owe a lot of money to people because they are being brought to court for that. Um, <laughs> because they still owe a lot of people a lot of money from <laughs> a lot of the transfers. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're taking El Mundo to court because El Mundo published Messi's contract. Oh, <laughs> shit. So they Is ran it? with the headline of 555-27619. That is not a, that is not a phone number. That is actually the total, uh, grand total of his contract. Mm-hmm. It's 500, uh, 555 million, 237,619 euros. <sighs> and that's over four years. That's a, a four-year contract. Uh. So, <laughs> let's get into this. This is for a club, by the way, who are... They are. They have seven hundred and thirty million euros in short-term debt. Um, with two hundred and something that has to be paid by July. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck knows how they're gonna do that. Um, they've not paid their players because apparently they pay their they pay their players in six-month tranches. So they pay their players every six months, mm. and their last tranche they weren't able to pay their players the full wages. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that's you know you know it's always bad when you can't pay your fucking players. So um, and this is with the players taking a seventy percent pay cut, so that the staff wouldn't lose their jobs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's it. Fucking he- like, how he, he gone? Oh yeah, no. 
what's in this contract? How are they paying? And and here here's how badly run, right? Here's how badly run Barcelona are, right? They've paid a man half a billion euros, over half a billion euros, over four years. Since 2017, he's been given half a billion euro by this club and he still hates them. <laughs> like, we don't want to get into it because you're going to have to age rate and basically just ban the podcast. Mm. But I don't want to get into what a company could do to me for half a billion quid over four years and I would still be happy with the situation. Like, stop paying me all this money. It's irresponsible for the club. Like, it's, it's obscene. Like, right, so, on top of a base salary of 72 million a year. <laughs> yeah, he was on 6 million quid a month. Oh. <laughs> he was paid Why Yeah, he was paid 97,941,000 just to sign the contract. So he's given it 100 million quid just to sign it. Then if he completes it, if he completes the contract, he gets another <laughs> he gets another 66.24 million <laughs> as a loyalty bonus. Then all of his image rights are tacked onto that and they come to 43.29 million. <laughs> and then there's whole loads of incentives, right? So all the incentives, like if he pays plays more than 50, if he pay, plays more than 60% of their games, uh, so on and so forth. Um, so he, if he wins, if Barcelona wins the Champions League, he gets a bonus of 14 million. He himself, not mm. the players, just him. Um, Is this why they tanked it against nine. us so they didn't have to pay out the money? Because that makes sense. <laughs> well, not really, because like, even if he sat out the whole four years of this contract, the absolute minimum he could earn was $249 million. Jesus Christ. Oh, but Mondo have crunched the numbers and looked at all the variables, and they reckon that of the $555 million, He's already going, he's already qualified for 510 million of it. So they're going to have to pay him 510 million uh, quid. And include things like, oh, he gets uh, 2.3 million if he wins a Ballon d'Or. He gets 4.7 million if they win La Liga. Yeah. See that, see that right? You get 4.7 million if they win La Liga. But if they win the Champions League, you get 14 million. Shows how much they value the Champions League over La Liga. Yeah, but that's oh, for like, sure. That's almost yeah. at like a that's almost at like a three to one ratio. I I knew they valued it more, but not three times more. That's the super club mentality. They want to be kings of Europe. Like that's their what that's their fun. belief. Um. So yeah. So they call it his for Messi. By the way, there are other players this, in that squad. This is just Messi. Yeah, Griezmann's on eight hundred and twenty-five grand a week. So that was out to be about like what three point five million a month. Yeah, and with all the incentives in his contract, because he's a similar amount of fucking ridiculous incentives, because he, he's only three years left, and they reckon mm. that by the end of those three years, if he hits all the incentives, which he's not going to, but there's a potential for him to earn over 100 million quid over three years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking like, what, like Busquets would be another one as well, PK. But the thing is, like, when you consider, right, they're trying to get Eric Garcia from Manchester City 
They're trying to scrape together three million, three million quid. That's all he's going to cost them is three fucking million quid. They're trying to get that. They can't, right? And then when he comes to Barcelona, they're like, all right, we don't want to pay you until next season because we, there's no money to pay you. When at the same time, they've paid Felipe Coutinho to win the Champions League with Bayern, Bayern Munich. <laughs> And also, they're still paying half of Luis Suarez's salary at Atletico Madrid. He's now the La Liga top scorer. Atletico are 10 points clear at the top of the league with a game in hand. So they're mm-hmm. going to win the league. So they've paid Coutinho to win the Champions League with Bayern. And they're going to pay Luis Suarez to win the league with Atletico. And they're and turning around to Eric Garcia here, They saying, still owe us 35 million pay. for Coutinho. They still owe 36 million. They still owe Liverpool yeah. 36 million for the Coutinho deal. They, they, can't the pay, they can't pay the premiums. <laughs> like, I heard that they were looking for Bellerin as well. I'm like, yeah, that's that was- Funnily enough, actually, funny enough, what I really, 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 really loved about this was Neymar coming out and going, oh, actually, I'm actually really happy at Paris Saint-Germain. I, I really love here, and I want to, and I want to, I want to continue my time here and win a lot of, spend a lot of time here. I was like, yeah, pal, that's because you can't go anywhere else. You can't go back to Spain because there's no fucking buddy, you fucking arsehole. <laughs> well, they're I love fucking it. like the top two in La Liga have cratered. Like, guarantee. Like, by the way, there is a shit, a similar shit show going on at Real, and I know people who listen to the podcast will think wow, Neil really does not like Barcelona. That is true. But, like, <laughs> we're, we're Barcelona not the clown show that they are now. I would be all on Real. Like, Real have fucking run themselves into the ground yeah. like something fierce. But, my God, Barcelona might just... They're not going to cease to exist. But they will cease to exist that they always have been. And yeah. this is t- the, the top two in the league have cratered in a way that I think will reverberate for generations like it's not gonna it's 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 like, hard to see a way out of this like you know other than selling off to like a saudi prince or something yeah. then i don't know what's gonna happen there and what's uh, funny what's funny enough about this whole thing is the reason why they're suing Jeff bezos maybe i don't yeah, know probably maybe because he's quitting amazon now so maybe he'll get bored yeah he's getting into the football business he's buying he's newcastle ads football, confirmed yeah. The thing is about Yeah, so the reason why they're suing Almondo is because Messi is really pissed off about this. Not because his contract has been published. It's half a billion euro contract. Mm. But it's because it's been... um, It's been noted that he's the reason. He's the reason why Barcelona are like where they are. Mm. So it's it's not. Barcelona's choice to pay him that amount of money, Will he end up getting hated by Barcelona fans now for ruining their club, or will I they? Don't, I don't really know because, like, Messi is Barcelona. Yeah, the, he's like a deity. Like, this is like he's like Mar- he is more than like what Maradona was to Napoli or Ronaldo to Real. Like, th- like he's godlike. He can't do no wrong. Like, even I remember when we were, I was watching the um, the match against us in the first leg, and like literally every time he got the ball. People were like weeping in the stands. Like they were, like they saw him as yeah. a god. Like, he was, he was, it was, it was yeah. incredible. Like the cold, I like so, I just, I just think it's, it's like one of the real kind of. Like I cannot believe this is a court. Like this is, yeah. Like this is just terrible. Like I, I don't, I don't. But that, 
that is my cod. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Um, like I, I, I don't think I don't. I think I'd be doing us this justice if I didn't pick Barcelona there because, like, <laughs> like I just found Marseille funnier. But like Barcelona was clearly going to be mentioned in this mm-hmm. conversation, so I just went, mentioned them instead. <laughs> but like, I, they are going to destroy Spanish football. Like Spanish football is like irrevocably damaged because of these two clubs, Barca and Real Madrid. When they're like when they're, all this is said and done, there's going to be like a new Spanish league. Like you're going to be seeing Atletico, Sevilla, Valencia, all these teams that are actually run quite competently well, yeah. staying within their means. Atletico have been a selling club for years. No, I think you're going to see a sustained team. period of Atletico dominance. More, yeah, because they're run really well. Like they they have a good manager, they have a good squad, and they make signings that make fucking sense. They're not they're not so vain enough to go like, oh, let's sign a superstar. No, let's sign for the future. Like we sold out Griezmann, let's sign a nineteen-year-old who we can bank on for twenty years. You know, like they, like <laughs> as that's the sounds to have teams like in Spain run like efficiently. Yes, I, I totally agree. Like, it it's, is ridiculous, Aaron. It like, is. You're right. Barcelona is so ridiculous that the seven-month-old is laughing at them. Yes, and totally I agree. agree with her. Exactly, I agree with her. She yeah. knows nothing of the world. She knows nothing. <laughs> so I will have my um, I will have my honourable mention Oh go for it please oh, okay. My honourable mention Because um, I think Barcelona are probably going to win it For giving yeah. half a billion quid to a player Over four years when they're 730 million into <laughs> Into the red Naturally. Um, My uh, honourable mention Is the Athletic They were no longer oh, sponsored yeah. by, by the way We yes. turned heel on them Yes absolutely I've not turned heel on them They've just done a really, really massively hypocritical thing. So, they published a really, really good article um, recently, I think in the last week or so, the last two weeks, um, uh, about football betting. Uh, I'm not sure if you read it. It was... Yes. Yes, I know what you're talking about now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's a really good one. It's about um, Joey Diorzo, He's actually one of the better columnists. This is not a slight on your man himself. The column he wrote is actually fantastic. It's about basically how Premier League shirt sponsors utilize sport betting companies to mm. kind of facilitate a lot of dodgy shit that gets mm. that gets done in the league. And he goes into like it's nearly five pages. There's full tables. Every club's in on it. Um, absolutely every club's in on it because he, he's yeah. got a table of all the clubs and where they're dirty and all the stuff and how break down full bulleted point lists of all the stuff. But the thing is, is that in the same two weeks that they published this article, absolutely exorating sports betting, they launched their own sports betting agreement with Bet MGM, a newish US outfit. Mm-hmm. And they have a new tab on their website labeled sports betting where they help everybody bet against the spreads and give people uh, opinions on spread betting <laughs> on everything yeah i have not seen this at all i've yes. I read that article on the um shirt sponsors and obviously it was like oh yeah. i am a bit gobsmacked fucking hell so they've said that they it will help them seamlessly blend media analysis and betting would make their publication a home for great betting content. Fuck off. <laughs> That's a direct quote. I've got the press release open and my other screen. <laughs> and insane. yeah, that's it. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I was wow. wondering when you were going, like, you know, possibly going with the athletic. Ah, uh, AFC Bell. Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't actually have a bell here because I'm seven month old and it would be like us having fucking tinnitus. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That, that was it. So in the same two weeks that they pretty much spelt the death knell for sports betting or clubs using betting sponsors, they announced their own betting sponsor because apparently it's okay for them. Yeah, I can actually confirm. I'm just re- looking at the uh, phone app here, and there is just a section on the front page called Sports Betting Buzz. It's, actually, it's, 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 fucking, it's right next to, like, for me, it's right next to uh, soccer. It's right next to the football one that I click on all the time. Yeah. Just, I have it here. Yeah, between I, just just sports my and, uh, Black with the athletic. Yeah. Huh? Uh, I, I, my personal gripe with um, the athletic is when I signed up, I picked motorsports as one of my interests because yeah. I, I do follow motorsports. It has been nothing but nightmare, which yeah. I yeah. think. Yeah, it's, it's just no they've, only got, they've only got yanks for their motorsports stuff. It's just nice. And, and it's not even well-written stuff. Like, I was like, oh, well, I'll read this article about why, you know, this engine is better than... It was, like, one of the early ones that got a push notification for and I was like, mm. I was like oh, I, I actually hate NASCAR so much. And I can't circles, man. It won't let me change my settings. I can't tell it it's not an interest anymore. I hate it. I'm stuck with NASCAR. Help me, Ailish. <laughs> yeah, she said so, she'll she'll get onto it as soon as she's since she's not getting her ear eaten off. She'll be she'll yeah. yeah, it's fine. They're 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 their team. Um so yeah, Burkbot, let's 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 finish out the formality. Um who's your cause? Yeah, no, Barca. I, like the yeah. the Marseille thing. I thought, what, like, if it wasn't Barca, you'd win in it. But uh, uh, that's the thing. Oh, I, like, because yeah. I, I can't. I'll go in with the Marseille thing because, like, the whole league on thing. Like, my God, it's, I'd it's, love a deep dive insane. on it because it's yeah. a shit show. Maybe that's a topic for when we have eventually have a match lull. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. There's, there's there's a lot of shit going on there. Like this is the collapse of a fre- of an of a national league. It's like imagine if like Sky and BT pulled out of the Premier League. It's that level. Like they have no buyers. Canal Plus have been like have had their arm twisted by the Prime Minister to air the matches, and literally like uh, they're actually now begging like Amazon to take the TV deal. And Amazon's going like, no, we don't have. No, no, we're not in the business of uh, burning money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I suppose we'll end this podcast then with uh, with a blockbuster, which we haven't done for a long time. But oh, it's, a, wow. it's a one answer question. It's a one question. We've had the transfer deadline day, the <laughs> month that was fairly quiet, all the same. But I'll ask you all, lads, what has been your favorite m- deal of the window? Which one do you like the most? Which one do you look? You saw the look of it and just went, "Oh, that's nice. I like that." Um, Ozil being taken off our books. That is a good shout. To be fair, that is a very good shout. You must be very, you, ha- you must be happy about that, surely. Like, but, that's no, a- no, actually, I think I'm more happy with Mustafi leaving. I the was book. about to, I was actually about to say that you bitch. Yeah, I was about to try <laughs> with Mustafi leaving. Ah, she need, she need the two of them now. You have to go for something else, Neil. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I like that. Um, yeah, I liked just getting rid of Mustafi. I liked all the deal. I will hold off this window. 
I'll take Slim Pickens to be fair. What? It's from Slim Pickens to be fair. There hasn't been much going I'll on. I'll take a punt on Odegaard to Arsenal. Yes. I quite like that. I reckon that'll come very good. Is to get mm. used to the league. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. So um, that was her angry breathing, by the way. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think I reckon Odegaard. If he gets if he gets used to it and clicks, could be something very good for us. He could be what we hoped Dennis Suarez would be. Yeah. <laughs> Wishful thinking there, I know. But <laughs> yeah. It, funny enough, actually, my choice was also going to be Odegaard there. Um, because I think he ticks all the boxes for you guys. Um, play centrally, plays in the right wing, dribble on the ball. He's more or less another Smith Rowe, which is what you needed, really. Like, you needed someone to play in the pocket, and, like, Odegaard is, like, fucking good at playing in the park pocket. But also, yeah. like, he's a good winger as well. He's objectively a good winger. So you no longer are obliged to play William. So, yeah, I think he is going to be, like, a, he's going to work wonders for you in that sense. Um, I suppose, like, from a Liverpool standpoint, we didn't have much on either, but... Uh, we avoided Mustafi, which is great. Um, but, like, legitimately... Never I am... gonna happen. No, do you know what? I, I, what I love about Liverpool Twitter this week, and I don't like them that much, but the big brain move they said was that they got Mustafi... Like, Michael Edwards linked Mustafi to Liverpool so that Schalke could come in and go, oh, no, we want him instead, and go, aha, so will you let oh, go of yeah. Kabak then instead? It's like, yeah, just saying, like fuck it! Edwards gave, uh, Edwards gave his number to Schalke. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see how like I don't see how that I don't think that's true because we'd already given Kalazanac to Schalke yeah so it's not as if they didn't know who the fuck we were yeah here's the deal with, here's the thing about the you know how like Michael Edwards is like a like stupidly good at like these tycoon games right that he does we have earned we have basically only spent 500,000 uh, in January from two centre-backs the, the Ben Davis deal from Preston is only 500,000 and the rest of the money is add-ons. And the Kabak deal is 500,000 as well. But we also, the loan deal for me and I think, that, I think that Kabak guy is going to be fucking brilliant for you. He's good. I like him. I like the look of him. Um, he reminds me a lot of Joe Gomez and the way he plays. He's a no-nonsense centre-back and with really raw pace. He might even start for, against, against Man City, to be honest. He looks really good. Um, it's just a shame, like, he just has a really, like, odd reputation because he's got relegated two years in a row, which it's just harsh because, like, the two teams he was in were hard, were terrible. Like, he was, like, the yeah. one like, shining light in that team. And he's still only 20, you know? So, if we, like, if, if no, there's a case... Yeah. So, 20-year-old centre-back, we'll get him for 30 million in the summer if you want him. Uh, and, like, Schalke are obliged to sell because they're getting relegated. They need the money. Well, the move I'm going to go for is Minamino to Southampton. Um I'm a big fan of his. I really, really am. I think he's been hard done by by Liverpool. Not necessarily. I think that yeah, no, you're you're too right there. But the the weird thing is like, like I do think Klopp likes Minamino. I think the problem is that there's just too many players in the same position in the squad. And like like we I, like our front three is so fluid. Like we have to. I don't know why he picks Origi over Minamino, but it's because he's like six foot one and like level of height. <laughs> At least Minamino plays in the pocket. He makes moves. He makes passes. And for what it's worth, I think he's going to be brilliant at Southampton. I think he's going to be See, I'm glad you agree. I really Aaron. even make sure that. Yeah. I, so I think he's going to fucking tear up trees there. Or at least I sincerely hope he does because I think he's really good. I really rate Minamino. I want him to do good. I'm hoping that if he gets six months to Southampton, runs some raggeds, runs himself out of get assists. Twenty. Well, couldn't set it better. <laughs> He'd be brilliant. 
<laughs> so, I could. I, I think I. I. I, I think I'm done. Um, yeah. Yes. I think the podcast is done. I, I, the, the intervention of a the late the last minute substitution of um of a seven month uh, baby has really added something to this podcast. <laughs> so uh, I don't need to say anymore. We're done for this week. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so guys thank you very much for listening to again what has been another meaty football podcast we'll see you in a couple of weeks time for more of the same Uh, so uh, if you enjoyed the show please follow us on Spotify we do this once once every fortnight Uh, and we have other stuff as well you can subscribe to us on YouTube where you can watch us play through a whole lot of games Uh, and we have a a Twitch setup that's um, that will be hopefully used at some point uh, this year but nevertheless um, uh, and of course follow us on Twitter at MondayMaddisLP for everything that we're doing you can keep track of us on that but for now guys thank you very much for listening i've been jonathan that's been burkbot that's been neil yeah that's been that's been a seven month old baby who's just headbutted neil because apparently that has to be a red card <laughs> that has to be a send it on that's a, yeah. that's a it's definitely that, was a, that was a professional fail that's not on yeah totally <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> because that's liquid football.